It's time to put aside our similarities and start fighting, Ryan. Oh, man. Are we going to war? We're going to war, but we're going to be civil about it. Okay, sounds good. It's just going to be us drinking tea and top hats and being like, I disagree with you, sir. You disagree with me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if we could keep just both hands, if we could keep one hand on the steering wheel and we still got some control. You know who couldn't keep one hand on the steering wheel? Tony Stark's dad. Oh! oh! No, you didn't. <laughs> Too, no, soon. You didn't. Too, Too soon. Too soon, America. I'm Andrew Fantasia. And I'm Ryan J. Whitehead. And this is Infinity Rewatch. Uh, and we're in phase three, baby. Oh my god. We we were just talking about this in, in our like like pre-recording, like getting ready for this whole thing. This is like this Marvel's like well into their shoes. You know, the shoes fit, they got their laces all tied up, everything's good to go. Like this is this this is the phase for them to just take off and run with it. Oh, this phase is just pure candy to me. I, I think I, I said something along these lines um last mm-hmm. time during our Ant Man episode, but uh, phase three just makes me so happy with the fact that now that they have, as you say, they 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 fit their shoes, they found their stride, they have stopped essentially. Even though this is called Captain America, they've stopped making solo movies, and now every movie is just a Marvel movie. And yeah, you're gonna get the character whose name is on the marquee, but it's a box of chocolates. You don't know who's gonna show up. Just like last time, we got Ant Man, but guess what? Here's Falcon. Now, you know, we got Captain America, but guess what? Here's Black Panther. Like, it's just nonstop. And and to this day, we're getting casting notices to this day. Spider-Man 3, Doctor Strange is going to be in it. Like, I love that. That is, to me, the beating heart of the MCU. And this kicked that off. This movie kicked off that tradition. Well said, man. And I couldn't agree more. Like, this is... You know, I think what I like about this, and I, I use the shoe reference, but if you really think about it, if you really think about it, Kevin Feige has pulled off, you know, the what the Beyonder did with the Secret Wars. He's put all the chess pieces in place, and now we have a, a chess match. We have a game, and, and this world is built. So now why not have these players all, you know, cross-pollinate as as Kevin Feige once said and now just like like the comics just like have characters just appear and this movie oh my god it is literally <laughs> like it's in it's it's in its own skin it's comfortable and just characters are coming in and out left and right and i will say there were some major surprises in this movie but they were poorly managed poorly managed and they could have if they just if they just bit their tongue and just waited for people to watch the movie you didn't even have to put anything in the trailer you could have just said like cat you could have just had a shot of cat being like are we doing this kind of thing mm-hmm. and like and then like starting to run at tony and that's all you need to see and then and then once you see the movie all the surprises good lord and man, there were some major, major characters in this movie. Yeah, they they definitely tipped their hand with the trailers. Uh, and yeah, I, I would have loved to live in that world where we didn't know that going in. But I will say they, I don't know how or why, but it just, even though they spoiled who was showing up, yeah. it still was a better treat than... On the flip side of this, we have something like Batman v Superman, which I was like all stoked for and everything. And those trailers spoiled Wonder Woman, which was the big moment and the climax of that movie where she shows up and saves both of them. And that 
fell flat because of that. That whole climax fell flat. Thankfully, yeah. Civil War doesn't fall flat. Oh yeah, no, it doesn't. It, it's it doesn't fall flat. I mean, Marvel always, you know. I don't get me wrong, guys. I don't want to harp in too hard on DC. DC's had some rough, rough edges, but but at the same time, they have everything that could easily make it go right for them. It's just for some reason they're just not getting it to connect. But Marvel man, it, Kevin Feige is meticulous with all his characters and how he wants them to play in this world, in this MCU, if you will. And uh, and it's it's so good. So let's let's deep dive into it, my friend. Let's get into Civil War. So you know the trailers were hyping up all sorts of stuff in here, and uh, we get we kick off the movie with an incredible action sequence. Um, you know, starting off in uh, Africa, or I think it was Africa. Was it Africa? It was. Yes, it was. Uh, and uh, and so there, you know, Cap and 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 the team is all in this covert ops mission, just looking out for uh, for crossbones, which is awesome, by the way. Yeah, and, so cool uh, that Rumlow showed. Like, I love that kind of long form storytelling. Like, we got Rumlow; he was a big yeah. old meanie, and he comes back again, and this time he's crossbones. Like, that was that's great. And and they and they hinted at the crossbones thing um, at the end of Winter Soldier, like they really kind of they they gave him kind of the look uh, with the with the the harness uh, doing an X shape on his uh, on his shirt there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so okay, so what I love about what the Russos did, and I think one of the biggest and toughest things that the Marvel animated side has is struggles with is the the look doesn't quite fit the tone. And I think the Russos, I don't know what art department they use, whether it's like now that they have Disney and everything's like fully solidified. Um, even I think even Whedon after Winter Soldier, like we didn't use the same art, the art direction team. The look and the feel now just so fits and it, it fits the tone that they're going for. And it really just sets the world and it, it really is awesome. So we get that, they, you know, we get um, a great sequence here of them like finding out that oh okay they got a lead on rumlow and they have this weird truck that's doing you know that's that's causing a lot of attention and the beautiful thing is right out of the gate we get a nice little easter egg here is we get uh we get red wing uh which is the first shot of red wing falcons uh falcons uh, Falcon's lovely companion in the comic book. It's an actual bird that he can telepathically have a conversation with. Um, but it's nice to see that they've modernized it in a way that he's like a flying uh, red wings, a flying drone. I'm really impressed. And- you gave that description with a straight face, Ryan. I'm assuming <laughs> your face was straight the whole time when you said, that. yes, yes, it he's, was. He's basically the Aquaman of birds in the comics. <laughs> yeah. Or, or Actually, just specifically that one bird, not even all birds. Yeah, it's just one bird. But to be fair, um, in terms of like animated representation of Falcon, the '90s cartoon, which we talked about in the last one, um, he's kind of just like an average Joe kind of character. But they actually did a good job in the other cartoon, which I mentioned more than enough times, but I won't get into it. But they do a good job there. But I think the MCU's version is the definitive kind of, you know, really kind of grounding him, but making him feel like a very 
just giving him the 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 just dues and making him such a relevant character. Um, but we get a first shot of Red Wing. They see the truck, and then I love the whole action sequence. We see them fly in, drop off Cap, and taking out soldiers left, right, and center. Um, and Cap's just really dishing some mean blows. And it's cool to see the Avengers work together. And I think outside of Age of Ultron, um, which like, you know, they really ramp up them working together. And it's just this one beautiful, massive scene. Mm -hmm. And this one, they're just kind of, it's like skirmished. Like it's just, they're throwing out these moves left, right, and center. Like, okay, just like we rehearsed, like throw me through the building. And then like Cap flies into the building, grabs grabs a dude by his foot and just throws him into a pillar while another dude's shooting him and he just like hides behind said pillar and uses his shield to like ricochet off of things taking out dudes like it's one of the cool like i love seeing cap in that kind of combat just seeing him really like being control of the situation and it's it's just poetry in motion as i would describe it well, it fits him so well, too, because Crossbones is, as far as I know, a Cap villain, right? He, yes, he belongs. He is. Oh, yeah. So he belongs to his rogues gallery. So he is like, Cap is in his element. He's not fighting gods. He's not fighting Thanos or whatever. He's like, yeah, here's here's a guy who I fight in my comics. So they really got to accentuate what Cap is and what he does and how he fights. And yeah, the, you, you bring up a good point about the whole thing, like feeling like uh the avengers just in their in their prime being a team uh hugging each other giving each other yep. words of encouragement except you know scarlet does not want to talk to uh, red wing um yeah. she's like i'm not thinking that thing um but the the cool thing about this, by scarlet you mean widow because yes, scarlet yeah, can also scarlet be johansson. yeah oh that gets so confusing every time scarlet johansson does not want to talk yeah. to the bird i'm sure scarlet witch is perfectly fine thanking yeah. red wing in fact maybe she thanks red wing too much maybe falcon's a bit weirded out by her we don't know maybe that's what the show is going to be about disney plus who knows um, <laughs> no i i remember the, the um like the consensus among fans when this came out was essentially you know after we had all seen it everybody was like that was pretty much avengers 2.5 that's right the movie we just got even though it's captain america 3 it's avengers 2.5 and i heard mr ryan uh mm-hmm. and it's gotten me very excited that the the plan amongst marvel is for the same kind of deal to happen in Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, where that is going to essentially be Avengers 4.5. In terms of how much is packed into that one movie. Somebody did their homework. Uh You're welcome. Oh, I love it. I dig it. I, I mean, to be fair, right now, at the time of this recording, I don't want to get too off of, off tangent here, but it's very easy. Oh, trust me. I have tangents planned. So tangents away. (laughs) okay so so uh man my friend it's good to hear your voice you know it really is you too Uh, so okay so with with where we're at right now in terms of marvel news at the time of this recording it's kind of getting to a point where it's hard to tell what's real and what isn't and Mm -hmm. and it's kind of funny that that's the theme of like the news right now with uh with marvel um and and especially with the with Doctor Strange's movie coming out coming out down the road. Um but there's so much news out there and like the Spider-Man film is just getting crazy news right now. 
with this whole like shattered dimensions, if you will. And I'm saying that on purpose because, you know, what with what they're doing with Spider-Man and having like the different Spider-Men come in. And um, and what I will say with Doctor Strange, I I think he he is going to be the pivotal character that will be like the combination of Nick Fury slash Iron Man bringing people together. And, and cause Dr. Strange is that hero type in the comics. So yeah, I, I'm totally down with that. I'm totally excited. Um, but at the same time, like the rumors are getting ridiculous. Like they're like, yeah. Oh, Wolverine's appearing in this now, or he's going to appear in this. We might've seen Wolverine in Shang-Chi. And I'm just like, it like really, you got to take a step back and take a breather here for a second um, like I even found out that uh, that uh, Tatiana Meslani is apparently con- has confirmed that she is not oh. playing She-Hulk, which is weird uh, because everyone's like, well, Mark Ruffalo said welcome to the family. So we all know how good Mark Ruffalo is with with secrets in the film. So I, I personally think I personally think she may still be confirmed to be cast as She-Hulk because there there have been other instances with uh with actors playing Marvel heroes in the past who have uh who have uh denied that they're going to play the role and then they end up playing the role. Yeah, let's hope so, it's that and it's not like a case of like Matt Smith in The Rise of Skywalker where they're like, "Yep, he's in it." And then he's yeah. like, "No, I'm not." <laughs> like 3 months before it comes out. Yeah, uh, but yeah. it's but it's crazy, and and but bringing it back into it, right? Bringing it back into what we're talking about, um, you know, we're hearing a lot of talk of mutants. We're hearing a lot of talk of like, and we we have confirmation that Craven is going to be in Spider Man, but um, at the time of this recording, they're saying uh, Jamie Fox is going to reprise his role as Electro, and and now it's funny because easily, you know, he could just be the end credit sequence. We don't know, yeah, what how how high of a capa- or how big of a capacity he's going to play in this movie. Uh, he could be the main villain. We don't know. We just don't know. But I, but the point I want to make here, and I love that you did your homework, and I love that you know you're bringing this to the to our, to our podcast here. But I will say there's so much Marvel rumors going around right now. It's absolutely insane. Yeah, we got to be careful. Like as soon as that Jamie Fox thing came out, the floodgates just opened, and now oh, yeah. whenever I see the word Spider Man on like Screen Rant or something, now it's like I don't even look because I'm like, this is the Spider Man stuff alone has just gotten out of hand. It, it feels like in you know in grade school uh like the rumors the kids at recess would float around like my brother told me that the power rangers are going to fight the ninja turtles next week it's like no they're not your brother's an idiot that that, (laughs) that's what all the spider-man things are sounding like right now like every other youtuber is like oh my god toby mcguire confirmed question mark and i'm like be quiet go to sleep like let's just wait for feige to say stuff before we you know like it's it it got too out of hand like, like, like we, ha- like guys, guys, Feige has earned our trust. <laughs> yeah. You know, at this point, if you still don't trust him, what are you on? Like, <laughs> like really like this dude, this dude knows what he's doing. And now, you know, in, in, in the unfortunate world circumstances that we are in, this dude has nothing but time to, to get everything in order that he wants to get in order. And, and on top of that, he has, he has literally everything now. Yeah, like, what else is he gonna do? Have a social life? <laughs> Honestly, I I think these Marvel movies are his social life. Yeah, and I don't mean that in like like what a nerd. Like I mean like that dude is completely content 
in doing what he does. (laughs) As we all would be, I think. Oh, yeah. In his shoes. For sure. I mean, you know, it's funny because a lot of people are talking about Spider-Man a lot right now. And like, oh, Spider-Man is like, oh, big Spider-Man news. And don't get me wrong. I am absolutely in love with Tom Holland Spider-Man. I am I'm, I'm I am totally just taken like breath taken away with Spider with this with this iteration of Spider-Man. It's the perfect one. It it fits in the MCU so well and it's a great modern adaptation of Spider-Man. However, I will say this. With all this talk about Spider-Man, I will say that there and this is coming from a big fan of Spider-Man, okay? Mm-hmm. Myself. There is more to Marvel than Spider-Man. If 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 he leaves after if if Tom Holland leaves after these two movies he does, which is one more solo film and one more group film, and he and he just does nothing but Sony movies afterwards, I'm okay with that. Yeah. I mean it sucks and and Sony would be Sony would be silly to do it, to go out and do stuff on their own. But I will easily say that there is more, way more to Marvel than Spider-Man. And now that Feige has X-Men and the Fantastic Four, there is absolutely, like, Spider-Man, he can have his one movie and a group film because there are so many stories that they can do now that they, that they can they can either have them or not have them. It doesn't matter. Exactly. At that point, he'll have had seven movies under his belt, which is a nice chunk of change. Yep. And go leave that empty space for Annihilus when Christine shows up and I'm not oh, you why <laughs> actually speaking of Spider-Man, I saw something yesterday at the at the video store that reminded me of you. They had a box set that was um it was Homecoming Far From Home into the Spider-Verse and Venom. And I'm oh. like, wow, they they really just need to sell those copies of Venom. <laughs> <laughs> But I thought of you in our last podcast. We were talking yeah. about it, and you have you seen Venom yet, or are you still yet to have seen Venom? Oh, I I saw Venom. Ooh, okay. I mean, I mean, that's you know, that's a podcast for another time, as yeah. we are way off tangent now. But like, I will say this. I will say this. I get what they're trying to do. I get it, and it's it's a cool idea. They should just but it was harder. so terribly <laughs> executed. And again, you know, it's funny because I remember our acting teachers were like, oh, you know, you can't really comment on it because they're the ones making billions of dollars and what have you. But I think as someone who invests in their brand, I think I have some say in, mm-hmm. in some criticism, even though despite that my my money being invested into it is is like, you know, change to them. Not even. It's, it's maybe a penny to them. That being said, I am allowed to voice my opinion. And and Venom, I'm glad I watched it as like as like a stream. I think it was on Amazon Prime or something I watched it on. And I will say, I will say Tom Hardy as Eddie Brock, really cool idea. Mm-hmm. Super cool. I love that he's like this guerrilla journalist on like YouTube or like does his like vlog videos. And I thought that was really cool. And it's so it's so well done. But whoa, man! What they did with Venom and tried to shoehorn him in that story—oh, it was painful. It yeah, was painful. it felt like a a bad '90s comic book movie that just somehow got made. Now, it's um, it's just it's I've, I've said it once, I'll say it a thousand times. After Iron Man, there is no excuse for a bad superhero movie. There's exactly. absolutely zero excuse. You've learned. You you've had your chance I'm to learn. Put that on my tombstone. That is. 
That is perfect. You just summed it up. There, but there, think about it. Think about it, okay? And even at this point, Marvel has laid out the roadmap of like, of like, like how to do a superhero movie. They go, okay, he, and I'll tell you guys. I'm going to give you guys the Infinity rewatch Marvel formula of what of like how they make these movies. I can't wait for this. You take you take a comic book storyline, mm-hmm. okay, and you take the major events that happen in it. So Civil War, and this will loop us back into Civil War perfectly. So Civil War, you know, in that story arc, that it becomes down to a feud between Cap and Iron Man. You know that's going to happen. That's the, that's like the pivotal moment. Yeah. Now, how it happens is altered. This is where Kevin Feige and the team does some really creative writing, but they still maintain the original comic book formula, which is by taking world events and trying to put it in their own world, in their own writing. So that's, and then, so what they do is they take these major events and change everything leading up to and what effects it takes, what effects happen after the film. And you have a whole new Marvel story. And that's how they do it. And it's that's how that's how Dad did it. That's how America does it. And it works <laughs> out for Marvel pretty well. <laughs> yeah, they're not gonna start. They're not gonna introduce Speedball randomly in this movie and have him blow up a school and right. then just be like, "Yep, this, we're we're accurate." Like, no, they they took this great idea that the comics did well as the comics, and yep. said, "How can we do this well as a movie with the world we've established?" But a bing, but a boom. They did it. They and they tied it into what happened in Age of Ultron. Like it is a flawlessly executed adaptation, right? So, so with all that being said, with all that being said, when you get movies like Venom and it just totally gets, I will say butchered. And it, Tom Hardy, if you're listening, if you're listening to this podcast, I love your acting. You are an incredible actor, and all you're, the cast, everyone in that movie. They had everything going for it. They had the uh-huh. cast. They had great visuals. They had a great idea of how Venom should look in a movie. But I don't know where the disconnect happened in terms of the story and the scenes. But whoa, <laughs> oh my god! And and here's the thing, guys. For those of you who ever plan to do a comic book film. Don't wave in our faces that you know comic books. You have to prove it through the writing, through the Easter eggs, through the little details. Yeah. In fact, I will tell you this. All the Marvel movies, that all the phase ones, all the little Easter eggs are what makes them like comic book films. The stories are really good and there and there's some really good comic book characters and what have you. And we gushed over Iron Man One really well. Like we we gushed over how great that story is. And it's such a minimal villain. Like that villain's just so small in comparison to other ones. And and what Kevin Feige does is all the little things, the way the characters talk about other characters, all the little Easter eggs. That's him being like, yes, I'm a comic book fan. You don't need to argue with me on that. And he just does it. And that's how Kevin Feige does it. And that's how the directors do it. And, and we even talked about that in the last podcast. And yes, I know it's good. It's good health to talk about the last podcast. But even in Ant-Man, all right? 
even in Ant-Man, the director clearly proved through all the little Easter eggs how big of a comic book fan he was. Did he wave it in your face? No, he did not. He focused on the story and how to make the story work in the MCU. So if Ruben Fleischer is listening, the point we want to get across is make a better movie with the sequel. <laughs> That's like, that's so, like yeah. you, you, you had all, you have all the tools and, mm-hmm. and there's nothing wrong with the directing. I just, I don't know how the story got put together. I, if you guys can answer that for me, then I could tell you what you, I could show you how to fix it, but I don't know how you did it. I just don't know how you put that story together. <sighs> anyway, that neither here nor there. We said our dues about Venom that, and yeah. let's get, let's get back into it. So, so here we go. We're in this great scene. Um, you know, we see Red Wing. It's an incredible fight sequence. And what I love is like we see Scarlet Witch now being more of an Avenger. And I'm telling you guys, based on already what we've seen with Age of Ultron, I think Scarlet Witch is going to have an incredible story that will definitely surprise everybody when when WandaVision comes out. We don't know what WandaVision is going to be like, but I'm telling you right now. Scarlet Witch is building up to be a pretty serious character in the MCU. And I'm going to tell you why. So first of all, we see them chase down these thugs and and these like mercenaries. And, you know, that's what Cap really deals with. Cap deals with a lot of politically driven, um, also like these like uh, 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 money for hire, uh, you know, kill for hire, sorry, uh, kill for hire guys, Mm -hmm. these mercenaries. And he's always taking on people that have military knowledge like he does and, it's all that. So he's dealing with these military thugs, essentially, and um, these mercenaries for hire. And one of them, uh, who holds the who holds the chemical weapon, uh, he actually was the original uh, motion capture guy or actor, if you will, who played the original Thanos in the original Avengers movie. Oh, that's a neat bit of trivia. Right. And then the cool thing is, so, so he, you know, first of all, again, Black Widow has some incredible fight scenes and the Russo seem to know how to really do fight scenes with these characters. Like they're, yeah. they're really comic book, they're really edgy comic book moves and, you know, Widow with these kind of what we'll, what we'll label as luchadore moves uh, <laughs> and uh, Cap with these just like Cap just flexing his muscles, like just Picking a dude up by the foot and throwing him in a pillar, that's like, oh, just well, cinematic gorge. The Russo uh, proved, like, as far back as Winter Soldier, the Russo's proved that they could take these movies and make the action look like like Terminator 2 quality levels of action. Because yeah, before yeah. that, superhero movies, good or bad, you know, the action was just kind of, it was just par for the course. It wasn't amazingly choreographed. It, it didn't look cool. It was usually just about using the powers and just about the whole spectacle of like, oh my God, look, Wolverine's actually on screen. Uh, but this was the first time that they they were like, we can make the action really, really good too. Even when it's not power-based, even when it's literally Nick Fury in a car chase. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's I love how you say that. And, and the best way, the best word I would say is like, if someone asked me like, what are the fight scenes like in a Marvel movie that like, with the Russos and and even like even when Whedon did it, Whedon did a perfect balance of like of like com- uh, close quarters combat and also like exercising their abilities as well. Um, but the the term I will use to define fight scenes in Marvel cinematic movies are brawls. They are full out brawls. Yes, and the characters have to use their abilities 
uh, in tangent with their with their just their fighting ability to to survive. And it, you see them, you see them like exercise. Like if they're in control, they'll use their powers less. If they're not in control and they need to get an advantage, then they'll use their powers more. Um, and and I like uh, there's a there's a great article and video I saw uh, talking about you know the best the best fights. And one of them was Cat versus the Leaper in Winter Soldier. Wow. I would not have expected that to make any kind of list. But because, well, and I'll tell you why. Because it's a fight where the the villain calls him out and says, we are not fighting equally. I thought you were a guy who, who believes in, you know, you know fair chance. Mm-hmm. And they fight at the same level which is really cool. Interesting. Um, okay. And that's like what that. makes the fight interesting. So, but what I love about these fights is again, you're seeing the mix of ability slash just fighting, just, just martial art ability. Right. And so even Falcon, Falcon has some incredibly agile moves where he does like this split kick in the air as he's landing. Like it's incredible. Um, and so anyway, so Scarlet, um, Scarlet, Witch the Rose, the guy with the chemical weapon, up near the building and it explodes. And the reason why I was talking about Scarlet Witch in the first place and why her show is going to be interesting is um, is in the comics, Doctor Strange uh, and Scarlet Witch have had a lot of stories where they kind of explain, they used Doctor Strange to kind of explain her power. And I think what people don't understand about Scarlet Witch or that it's not quite connecting. And I'm not saying it's not connecting with the fans. I'm saying it's not connecting with like the, the people in the back of the theater. Like as my brother would say, right. the people in the back of the theater, people that aren't quite fans yet. And like, are but like what they're seeing kind of thing, Scarlet Witch literally has the power equal to the reality stone. Oh which, shit. So, she has the she literally has like cosmic power like she is she's a pretty high level power user reality is the yellow one right that's the vision the red one? one the red one okay uh the the red one and um uh, the one that uh the one that vision has is the mind stone but the yes. but i don't blame you because the colors always change in different comics they're different colors like it's it's never been consistent yeah um so Scarlet Witch, so Doctor Strange has mentioned, um, and it's also thanks to Doctor Strange that magic is still a thing in the Marvel world because he had to fight to save it. <laughs> um, but Scarlet Witch's power is so big, but the problem is she doesn't know how to use it. And if she ever, if she ever pushes herself far enough, she could like destroy herself, but also destroy reality as we as we know it. Which is interesting because that's what happens in a comic book series called The House of M. That's right. Um, no more mutants. And and not only no more mutants, but she changes reality just so she can have kids. Now, this is a character in, in Civil War. At this point, she's lost her brother. She's kind of found a she's kind of found an attraction to vision because vision saved her and 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 they're both kind of and he's a uh, handsome man. He's a handsome man. He's intellectual, but at the same time, I think the the events of Ultron really just brought them together because it's because of the it's because of her that he exists, and there's a there's a whole layer to that there. But anyway, so her brother's dead. She has this kind of attraction to Vision, and now she created a global event 
in uh, in Civil War and, and by having this explosion. And then what's so great, and this is what, what we were talking about with clever writing, is they introduce members of Wakanda through this event and saying yeah. they were on a United Nations mission there. And that's yeah. brilliant. That's how you do it. That's, that's how, how you, you do, do it. it. And like it, it was, it's seamless. They're, they're in this African country. I, I think they're in Senegal. Uh, somebody will correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that's where they have this fight with Rumlo. Um, yeah. So it's like, you know, you are already, you have the Avengers, you know, on foreign turf, saving the world they're they're being global it's not just captain america defending america anymore but that gives you the perfect uh highway into these other heroes and then of course the wakandans are going to be like what did you do to our country lady like of yeah. course that's going to happen yeah, exactly right okay and again it's it's only a matter of time right yeah so uh and then we kind of cue over to and and I, I love that Scarlet Witch is, has a big story in this. Like she actually has a very critical path that needs to play out through the story. So I, I really enjoy that. And um, and it kind of fits because in the comic books, it's it was a young group of superheroes that caused the the uh, events of the real Civil War uh, in yes. the comics. Yeah. Um, and it was and accidental too. And like it, yeah. again, they took the speedball thing and just kind of been like, let's make this, but with who we have yeah and it's 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 one of those things with uh they take like these characters that don't quite hit the hit the top end there um uh, but what ends up happening is these young they're they're called the young avengers they're doing a reality show and um the mission the mission kind of gets a little out of hand and they're like oh yeah we're superheroes it's a reality show if we if we save somebody that's not in our mission or wasn't planned for us we'll look even better because it's real and they try to go save a bus full of kids and it ends up exploding and it's oh it's so good mm-hmm. um so so then we cue over to tony stark and again talk about story building um in iron man 2 uh or no was it even iron man 1 iron man 1 they were talking about an invite from MIT to speak at their thing and it took all the way to this movie for him to finally go and be there yeah He's, he's finally there. Um, he's finally there. Bef- before we shift over to Tony, I had a little bit of a rabbit hole I went down uh, in the Africa scene. Yep. Uh, now, I'll make this quick because it's very tangential, but I just thought this was really, the more I read, the more interested I got. So while Cap is fighting with Crossbones, there's this ad behind them for something called Nestle Milo. Okay. And I was like, oh, is that like a chocolate bar? Like I'm... I'm familiar with Nestle, but I've never heard of Milo. What is this? So I looked it up and it ended up being, it's not a chocolate bar, but it's a chocolate malt drink, like Ovaltine. Uh, Oh, that does not sound good at all. Yeah. It's, it's a strange like malt powder and I'm looking it up and it says it's a beverage that's popular in Oceania, South America, West Indies, Southeast Asia, and parts of Africa. So I'm like, okay, it all checks out. And the the article I read made a note of saying it was developed by a guy named Thomas Maine, which at first I thought it said Thomas Wayne, like Batman's dad. So I was like, what? Is this a fake thing like in comics? Like what's going on? So I clicked it. I know it's a real thing. It was just some guy named Thomas Maine. And he invented this, this Milo thing. And uh, it says he derived the name from a famous ancient athlete named Milo of Croton, after his legendary strength, Maine himself enjoyed a hot cup of Milo every night until his death at age 93. 
Wow. Isn't that a weird little thing that just exists in the real world? It's such a deep-seated like story and and just (laughs) in that advertisement. That's crazy. (laughs) Yeah. So that's Milo. There you go. We learned a little. Yeah, we learned a little. There you go. Uh, I love it. So so that's really awesome. And um so we go into Tony Stark at MIT and, and he does this, he does this beautiful thing. And I think what I love about this is, is how full circle these stories are uh, because you see he's, you know, we get to see him be young again and have this like moment with his parents just before, you know, they die. Um, yes. And this which was the this... first time I ever noticed like how good de-aging could be. Yes. Like I know we got it yeah. a bit with, with Hank Pym, but this was the one where I'm like, oh my God, they, they did magic on his face. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it looks astonishingly good. It's, it's incredible how, how, how you, you, if you were to quickly look at it, it doesn't look like CG. Like that's how yeah. crazy it is. Um, and, and what I love about this scene though, is again, how human the characters are. And there's a lot of speculation as to him being there. Like there, there's a lot of rumors that Reed Richards is there, you know, and that explains a couple things that we'll talk about in a later podcast. Um, and so there's a lot of whole theories about this. So anyway, um, uh, so it's a, it's a wonderful scene. It's great. And, and that scene plays a big role later on. And again, that's for another podcast as well. So it's just crazy. Um, and it's great. And then we get the, you know, that they're like in the speech, it says that it's, you know, pepper pots foundation or whatever. Uh, so clearly she has her name, uh, which is again, another play on the first uh, Avengers movie, which is, she wants her name on the lease. She wants her name on like the paperwork. So yeah, she's uh, mad. She's mad, yeah, clearly, right? And uh and so uh we get the we get the the facility guy and uh it's the guy from community, which is really nice. It's mm-hmm. nice that the Russos are going back to their roots from their TV show and and bringing in these actors. Then we get a beautiful beautiful scene. Uh and what I love from this is uh Alfrey Alfrey Woodard I think Alfrey, I can't remember how to pronounce her name. And I, I, yeah, I think apologize. it's Alfrey, I think. Yeah, it's, uh, she is one of the first actors to uh, go from a Marvel Netflix series to the movie. Yeah. And I, you know, I read this in my own personal headspace as sort of Feige's subtle, but not so subtle way of saying like, look, because uh, the guy, Ike Perlmutter, who was in charge of the Netflix parts of Marvel back at that time, he did not get along with Feige. So yeah. I saw this as like Feige's way of saying, yeah, the Netflix stuff doesn't count, folks. Uh, yeah. She's like the <laughs> main villain of Luke Cage, and she's just like a random nice lady. So, ah, but she's not that random, actually. Ooh, so it's... Well, my friends, so we get to this beautiful scene and this is this is the the comic book moment. This is this is what I'm talking about. This is Marvel formula stuff right here. So the scene, you don't really get her name. You only get that she had a son and during the events of Sokovia, he he was killed um while Tony Stark was, you know, wrecking wrecking buildings and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um and so we don't really we don't really get to understand her character, but we get to understand why her character is there. She was really driving home the point of what happened in the credits. Her name is Miriam. 
and if you tie it to the civil uh, civil war events from the comics, the woman who spits at Tony and yells at him for uh, killing his son or uh, uh, getting her son killed, her name was also Miriam. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So she she is a character from the comics. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, she spits at him, and then by the end, he's like he makes like this whole list of like these are how uh, re- like ways I'm going to keep America safe with the, with the registration mm. thing and everything like that. Yeah. So, yeah. And, um, it's, it's, so it's a beautiful scene and it's great setup and it's, it's a great way to kick off the events of civil war. And, uh, Oh man, it's so good. And so I think at this point, uh, do we jump? No, we jump into Zemo. Don't we, we get into the, uh, the the car accident the fake car accident i think so yeah and the thing about zemo is like i guess we might as well get into him now because he is he's our main villain in this movie and he's so subtle and sneaky that even now re-watching this film for this podcast i forgot he was in it until he showed up that's how yeah. good he is at hiding oh yes yeah so we actually, so they do a great job because again, and it, this plays off of like, if you do your research and you look up like IMDb and all this stuff, like his name is Zemo. So of course you think he's uh, Baron Zemo. Uh, but it's interesting because they, they actually call him uh, Helmet Zemo, yes. uh, Colonel Helmet Zemo. And so right out of the gate, we know, we know this is the Zemo we know and love. Let's just put it this way. They yeah. don't, they, you don't cast someone like Daniel Brühl Unless, uh, <laughs> unless you're really going to do something with him. So this guy is an incredible actor. Um, we've seen him in Inglorious, the Inglorious Quentin Tarantino movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I will not say the full name just because, you know, kids might be listening. So I don't want to. Oh, go right ahead. Okay. Inglorious Bastards. So <gasps> we see him in there. He plays the. <laughs> he plays a great character in that one. Um, so it's, but he, again, he does a great job in this one. He finds these Hydra agents. And again, I love that Hydra still playing a very big role in the whole story, you know, because, because um, really Cap kind of, you know, really put the hurt in their, uh, their plans and the yes, Winter Soldier. So, so it's nice to see that that's still being cleaned up. And uh, so we get our first introduction of Zemo and it's really cool. And like that torture looks pretty bad. You know, tying this guy to a pipe and drowning him upside down. That must be the worst way to go. And it's such like a dirty, filthy room they're in. Oh, yeah. That sink is like one of those like laundry tub plastic sinks and it's all grimy and just. Oh, yeah. What an awful way to die. Yeah. Oh, it's the it's yeah, it's brutal. And then he pulls out the uh, the book for uh, for Winter Soldier, which is really cool to see. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I love this because uh, we get uh, we get our we get our first official look at a oh, good old Colonel Ross. Woo! He's back. Yep. Uh, or is it General? Sorry, General Thunderbolt Ross, Colonel. Oh my God, Colonels! Uh, General Thunderbolt Ross makes his first, or sorry, second appearance in the MCU, but his first appearance after the events of uh, after the events of the Hulk. So incredible Hulk! So we have him. He's in the MCU. We're seeing, we're getting more and more of him now, and he's confirmed to be in Black Widow. We've seen him in the preview. Yeah, and um, that really excited me because it's like up until this point, Ross was 
essentially like a Netflix character. Like I was like, are they canon? Like, cause that whole movie was just kind of swept away. So, Mm -hmm. uh, or at least like unspokenly swept away. So the fact that he's back is like, it tells me, uh, it tickles that part of your brain that likes the connectivity. And he's like, okay, yeah, it was all, it was all canon. We can, I can speak (laughs) now. I can put down the gun. Well, yeah. You know, it's funny though because with it, with the Incredible Hulk, Kevin Feige did say it was it it is canon. It's mm-hmm. it's part of the the MCU. So, uh, I mean, maybe down the road, I would love to see I would love to see Betty make a comeback. Like oh, you could 100%. really really have fun with it. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's definitely canon, and we got we but we get Ross in his in his Ross Prime, which I love it. Um, and I love he's talking about golf and uh, and all this stuff. And so I love this because it brings in the Sokovia Accords and it talks about, you know, what they're going to do with the Avengers. And I love that he, when, um, when he uses the example of, of, of Thor and Hulk that you can detect, there's a little distaste for the Hulk in that line. There. Oh, he's like, yeah. yeah, he's like, tell me cap, do you know where Hulk and Banner are right now? Like, it's just such a great line. He's like, because if I missed a couple of nukes, let me tell you, <laughs> like, <laughs> like it's such a it's such a great line, and so I love this because we are seeing a a Marvel moment where, like, yeah, these heroes are debating, like, are they what are like what they're doing? Is it good? You know, is it good for them? Right? Is it good for the world? Because you know, is Stark right? And I remember going to see friends at the time this movie came out and there was a lot of discussion like there's a lot of discussion is cap right is is iron man right right like who's who's got the right who's got the right here and what should they do and i think it's it's uh an easier sort of line to walk on when it comes to like if you're pro accords it's easier to look at it from iron man's point of view i think yeah uh general ross is he was again he was it was perfect to bring him into this because he's coming at it like you're saying from that place of bias like i hate the hulk so much uh and now here's an opportunity to make it illegal for him to exist without me knowing where he is at any given point I'm oh that's that. so good i didn't even think of that oh man that's so good ross is it's... a big meanie He's a big meanie, but I mean that's that's his reputation, man. He's they call him Thunderbolt Ross for a reason. Yeah, they right? don't they don't uh, dance around. There's a reason for that nickname. Now, there's something in here that I want to know if you caught because I just found it funny. Uh, there's a scene right before um, Ross sits them all down, where uh, Wanda is sitting in her bedroom and she's oh yes uh, yes I she, forgot she's, about she's, this. She's really upset. I think she's looking at the news footage or whatever, and uh, Captain America comes in and just kind of sits and talks with her. I don't know if they had like a replacement makeup person on the day, but go back and look at Chris Evans' makeup. He looks like a straight up mime. He has like bright <laughs> pink lipstick. His face is powdered. I'm like, what did they do to Steve Rogers? Like he, he looked odd. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's funny you say that because there's a scene where he's at his desk mm-hmm. um, in his little office and he has the picture of the monkey on the unicycle, which he drew in the original uh, uh, oh in the original Captain God, America. God, I didn't I didn't catch that picture. It's there. Wow, it's there. So, so I love this though too because we get to see. And I mean, I'm glad you brought that up too because we get to see Vision kind of 
trying to be normal like he's trying to you know be like an average person and he comes in through the walls <laughs> it's so good um and so they go through the discussion now the actual outfit of vision um is an actual outfit from the comics he would wear like a sweater and like some nice pants and everything and dress more casually so it was a nice little nod and again this is something where you know um where Kevin Feige's not deliberately in front of you being like, hey, this is a reference for the comic books. You wouldn't have picked up on it. He's just wearing a sweater. But actually, yeah, he, he looks exactly like he would in the comics. I did not know that. That's because I've only ever seen him in the like the outfit, you know, the red and yellow with the green cape and everything. But that's that's a really cool touch. Uh, I actually had a question about vision it's not a smart question it's a dumb question but okay maybe you'll be able to help me out um and this was bothering me the whole time when i look at him and especially knowing that he and wanda are eventually gonna hook up <laughs> i'm so sorry for asking you this question ryan uh, does vision feel like skin or does he feel like hard plastic what does he if you touch his face what does he feel like he he should feel like kind of like a uh <laughs> i don't know why i'm partaking in this uh he should feel like i if i'm not mistaken it's it's no oh sorry no it's um it's a it's a type of skin um it's because in the age of ultron um the dr helen cho i think her name is mm -hmm. she mentions or helen chu helen chu um, she mentions that, uh, that her new breakthrough experience is like a skin. It's like a synthetic skin. Oh, so yeah, it's, okay. it's like pleather essentially in terms of like his, his skin is skin, but it's not real. It's synthetic. Okay. But so it is soft though. Like Wanda can enjoy herself is basically where I'm going with this. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. That's because I was like, if he is, if he just feels like, you know, a MacBook, then that's going to be an issue. <laughs> uh, I will also leave it at this. Remember, Wanda has the power to warp reality. Ooh, she can change yes, it as, as she sees fit if she's good enough to know how to use it. So mm -hmm. uh, we do see, we do get a taste of that in Infinity, Infinity War? Yeah, Infinity War. So, yeah. Just remember that. That's right, because at the beginning of Infinity War, he looks like a normal dude, right? That's right. Yeah, all right. Okay. That makes sense now. So, so okay. So, we get the Sokovia Accords. Um, so, this is, the, uh, this is the evolution of what was known as the Mutant Registration Act in the, uh, the good old Civil War events in the comics. So, I love this. The Sokovia Accords is great because it's a great nod to um, the Mutant Registration Act. But, again, mutants don't exist. Uh, or at least that we know of yet yeah. uh, in the Civil War. I, I have a really strong feeling that Kevin Feige is going to find some magical way to make it all fit as if they were there the whole time. And it's going to be so, oh, so good. For sure. I can't uh, wait. And um, when uh, when Ross slaps down the Accords, there's actually a great quote by Vision that you mm -hmm. quoted once earlier on the show that I love where he's like... Uh, our very existence invites challenge. Challenge leads to conflict. Conflict breeds catastrophe. It's such like a Yoda kind of quote. I love it. Oh, yes, it is. But again, it's it's just such a great, it's such a great story in, in, in terms of 
how real these characters are. And, and it's, you know, and again, in movies, whenever I hear a director being like, oh, I'm going to take these comic book characters and make them feel real. I'm always just like, just shriveling and like, oh God. (laughs) But these characters, what they do to make them real and grounded is their actions have very severe consequences. And, and, what they're doing feels more like a burden than like a gift. Uh, and so, uh, actually, which reminds me too, um, which reminds you too, because I, uh, as someone who's watched the boys, uh, yeah. which is a fantastic show, absolutely amazing, a uh, great refreshing look at comic book characters. Yes. Um, the director or the creator has gone out and said, Oh, you know, these Marvel movies are great, but they're dangerous. And, 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 and what's dangerous about them is, is that they make the viewer feel like they, they're going to wait for someone to come and save them. And I think that misses the point. I, I, the point of these Marvel characters is the choices they sometimes have to make is very similar to choices we have to, you know, make though. It's not like exactly parallel. It's, it, the point is, is these characters are written in a way that they're so human that they make that they're supposed to be relatable. Yes, and like Spider-Man is not the only person who has the whole power of responsibility thing to deal with. These right. guys are all pushing that same button. Exactly, and and it's 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 but it, that's 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 been Stanley's writing since the get-go. Is mm. is is that these characters are relatable? Fantastic Four is a dysfunctional family. Everyone can relate to that, right? It's how yeah. they deal with it in a in a supernatural way that makes it fun and interesting to read but in the end you know you could you could get something out of it so i mean don't get me wrong i think i can see where he's coming from but you know we i think he's also just talking about you know superheroes in general but marvel stories in my opinion and and civil war is a great example of this is that it's they're they're relatable like the these are personality types that you can relate to and that's what that's what they're all about um so we have this beautiful scene and i I love the argument it's really good and it's a great way to ground the characters talking about how these actions have consequences i love how falcon uh vision's like i have a thought and they're like oh great vision will solve this like there's like (laughs) that that kind of smirky attitude and I, i love it um and and i love how war machines like he has a congressional medal of honor and he's like that's one more than you have uh it's so good uh and um so we so cap gets the news that uh that peggy has passed on and he has to head over to the funeral um which again a great way to wrap up a story very well done all right Uh, yeah yeah uh you know technically for now anyway (laughs) Uh, all this time I, stuff yeah. she's never really gone you know i miss her yeah yeah um okay so uh um so we go to the funeral and you know steve finally learns uh that sharon carter is actually you know the related to aunt peggy if you will mm-hmm. uh, and uh talks about uh uh, gives a speech and in that speech is actually a reference from uh, a comic book Ooh. uh it's actually uh it's written from an amazing spider-man comic where the, she talks about no you move yeah. uh that's that's an actual co- writing from a comic book oh that's so cool 
So it's from Amazing Spider-Man, and uh, yeah, it's a it's a great it's a great line that uh, you know you plant your feet in the ground, you say no, you move, and that's a it's a great. I think it's written. Yeah, it's an, actually a passage written by Mark Twain, um, mm-hmm. and it's it's really good. So then we get to see the little budding romance uh, from Cap and uh, uh, Sharon Carter, which is so much fun in this movie. It's it's serious at first, but it gets it has its moments of real joy. I gotta uh, be honest, I find it weird. That they do you yeah, oh i find it especially knowing what we know about endgame it's like yes weird at that point yeah and uh, okay but to be fair to be yes i get i get that but in the comics he actually commits to being with sharon he doesn't mm-hmm. he doesn't do what he does in endgame so so as as a fan at this point of, of Cap in that in that story, I was like, yes, like because I'm getting I'm getting that moment, um, and it's very well done. They they have a great relationship, uh, and the the chemistry is really good between them in the in the thing. Uh, so, um, and I love so, they, they sound like a couple, like they sound like an old couple that you would be like friends of the family, you know, like oh Steve and Sharon are coming over, they're bringing a bunt cake. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So then we get the United Nations summit. And, oh my god. Uh, and 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 again, this movie has incredible surprises and they could have kept them secret until the bitter bitter end. But I do remember seeing on-set photos because you know, sometimes you just can't resist a good a good uh a good piece of rumor and there was onset photos and they actually had a, sh- a clear shot of black Panther. But again, this movie does such po- does such poetic justice in introducing him because we got a teaser in like Iron Man two, we get a teaser in like age of Ultron that, you know, Wakanda, the brand thing, which was awesome. And then we finally get to see T'Challa. Mr. Chadwick Boseman, rest in peace. Oh, um, the late great Chadwick, and he uh, just brings so much, uh, just so much presence to this character. It's it's so good. What and an love- elegant, talented man. Just yes, like, yeah. Uh, just, what a shame! It's such uh, a shame. It's 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 really it's heartbreaking. It is really heartbreaking what happened to him um and uh and yeah so what i loved about his performance here and the way they introduced him is i love that they because in the comics and in in a lot of scenes they often refer to him as an ambassador for uh wakanda because you know he would he would often leave because he was the first to kind of bring wakanda to the world publicly which he does end up doing um in black panther uh but um in this one he's at the united nations as a member of Wakanda and it's so it's so good it's it's so incredible uh and and he's with his father it's a beautiful scene it's it's so incredibly well done um uh with King T'Chaka and uh it's just both actors just bring so much presence to this this to this uh to the story and really kind of ground it and give it so much fuel at the same time being you know, the center of the event. Uh, and then of course the explosion goes off, which brings Bucky out in the open. Um, uh, but I love that. Like we, we see T'Challa just jump into action, try to protect his dad. Um, yeah. And, and so like, that is, 
they pulled off something that's not easily pulled off. So many movies will, you know, they'll try to to guilt you, the audience. They'll try to guilt you into feeling sad over the death of a character you literally just met. Uh, and, you know, half the time, more than half the time, it just doesn't hit, you know? Like, I, I had fun with, like, the first J.J. Abrams Star Trek, for example, but when that movie starts with Kirk's dad dying, I wasn't like, oh, no, Kirk's dad, who actually was Thor, by the way. Uh, like, yeah. you know, I, I wasn't like, oh, man, this is a I'm so upset. What a bummer. Like, I, it's just it doesn't hit with you. You're like, well, here's Kirk's origin. He lost a parent with with this, though. We you know, we meet T'Chaka for one scene where he's just there chatting with Black Widow. And then next thing we know, he's dead. I don't even think he speaks a word after that scene. Like he goes up to do his speech and then he's dead. And I am just, and maybe granted, you know, when I was watching this, I'm thinking of Chadwick uh, and I'm already kind of sad, but like, I am just punched in the gut when T'Chaka does not make it. And I knew the guy for all of five minutes, not even. Yeah. And you know what I love about it too, is that we don't even get an origin story. Like they, these guys are just well into their own world at this point. Just, you know, I love that take off. It's, it's so fantastically done. Um, and, uh, so, so after King T'Chaka is killed, um, uh, we see T'Challa with Black Widow and, uh, and talking, he's talking about, um, the afterlife and he's like, souls are greeted by Bast and Schemit, which is actually a comic book reference to, uh, how, uh, Wakandans deal with death. Um, and these are, uh, Egyptian gods actually that they, mm. they pray to, which is, uh, uh, yeah, kind of Bast like a, is a cat-headed God. I know Bast. He's a good guy. Yep. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of like a lion, a lion kind of, uh, or lioness goddess or something. Um, and so, yeah, so that's actually like a nice little nod to the comic books there as well. Um, and, uh, so what I love about this is they figure out how, you know, Winter Soldier has been hiding this whole time. And again, talk about beautiful fight scenes. Oh my God. It's like Cap finds, Cap finds Bucky again and he's still brainwashed. And, and then they, the, uh, I think it's the German police, come in and just super cool man like there's so many good so many good moments uh you know um i love how winter soldier throws cap through the window to like you know send him to to distract the soldiers and then he uses his hand to like block the bullets and uh punches the floor picks up his backpack and just takes out dudes so amazingly graceful sebastian stan probably has the coolest physicality for an actor in terms of fight scenes. Like he's so expressive and it's just such a joy to watch. It is so gorgeous. He crushes it in this movie. Uh, And you know how you can tell that he's a fugitive before we even see him do anything illegal. How is he's buying fruit from a stall. I feel like in every movie ever where there's a fugitive, that's how they eat. They just go around and they buy. <laughs> like if I'm ever walking down the street and I see like a guy go up to like a kiosk and buy a pear, I'm like, that dude did something. <laughs> that, that's, I'm calling the police. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. I, I mean, but I love it. And then 
we get to see so so yeah so if you're buying fruit from a from a stall you're clearly yeah, clearly that, done something bad just point an arrow at your head that says arrest me at that point i'm gonna remember that if i ever if i ever commit a <laughs> never shop at a stall uh, uh yeah, we have visual he is buying fruit repeat he is buying fruit. i'm gonna go to metro and just buy <laughs> or sobeys um so anyway so so we get this incredible fight scene through the stairway. I mean, oh man, Bucky does some cool moves. He grabs a battering ram and just decks a dude's leg right off. It's pretty yeah. epic to watch. Um, and uh, and I love the way he fights. It's it's just absolutely incredible. So they they get to the rooftop. They do this incredible jump, uh, and then we see Black Panther in just full out superhero outfit. Which again, had the trailer not given us that. Then, like, I wish the trailer, if they were going to introduce T'Challa, I would wish they would just show him in the United Nations scene being like, exactly. oh, hello. Like, but they show that shot where he, like, shows his claws and he's there. And again, like, the suit looks gorgeous. Like, the suit is stunning. And um, not only it, does it look gorgeous, but it fits perfectly with the aesthetic the MCU has set up exactly it's it's so it's so beautifully established in the mcu um and so uh and it's it's funny because even with cap like cap had a rough transition from the first movie to like the first avengers movie his suit was suit was weird even josh Whedon was like man i don't know what i was thinking or like what i was thinking with that outfit but the russo's really modernized his suit and made it more tactical looking which i really enjoy but black panther's suit just looks so gorgeous and it's it's it, you're right. It fits so well in the MCU. Um, and he does some pretty epically cool fight fight scenes. Um, the car chase scene was really cool. I really digged it. Uh, but the only thing is, I kind of didn't... I get that Cap is super fast, but I didn't like how the running transition, like how, how the running as fast as cars kind of okay, thing he, was playing he, out. He was able to keep up on foot. Yeah, it's kind of it kind of didn't translate well for me. I mean, I do like the idea, but I just it didn't translate well for me visually. Still love it though, nonetheless. Um, and then yeah, we're getting this great chase sequence, and then I love that War Machine comes in. He's like, "Congratulations, Cap, you're a fugitive." And then uh, he looks Black so Panther disappointed too when he says, "Yeah, that. oh yeah," he looks so disappointed. And T'Challa, T'Challa takes off his helmet, and he's like, "Oh, just diplomatic immunity right there." Boom. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Great scene. Great scene. What a great way to bring Black Panther into the mix. And like, he, he looked perfect. He fit with everything you have. Again, you, you uh, centered the story. You took the story in a direction that made it totally plausible for Wakanda to, to come into things. Now we have the origin of not him being Black Panther, but the origin of him being King, which is important Oh, good call. It really helped to get that out of the way now because Black Panther has so the movie Black Panther has so much going on already that uh we we kind of needed this little prologue. Mm-hmm. So it all just came together like a well-oiled machine. Uh and and even like when um uh we like afterwards we get um but I'm jumping ahead actually. I won't bring that up yet. But what I do want to bring up is we get a new character, Mr. Everett Ross. Yeah, Everett Ross. And I am, I'm so, is he a character from the comics, Ryan? Because Yes, he is. I'm baffled by why would there be two government douchebags both named Ross? 
Like, who, <laughs> whose idea was that? Yeah, um, and I don't think they're related, actually. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's funny because uh, a lot of people heard that uh, Martin Freeman was going to be in the MCU, and they were like, "Oh my god, he's going to play this epic character and all this stuff," and he's <laughs> he's ever Rick Ross. <sighs> That makes me laugh. Um, this is this is a, this is just one of those cases with Marvel where it's like again, you kind of your expectations get a little ahead of yourself. Uh-huh. Um, but he do, he is playing a pretty significant character um, because Everett Ross in the comics actually is like the uh, like he's Black Panther's most trusted American friend. Like he actually uh, okay. is like a he plays a big role. I was gonna ask that, like, if he was involved in the Black Panther comics, because that's every time he shows up, it's when Black Panther's around. So mm-hmm. that's that's yeah. cool. Yeah, so he does play a very significant role. He he works a lot with like uh, Captain America and Winter Soldier, but like um, as like an American, I guess like American agent kind of thing. But mm-hmm. like, but yeah, he's like a he's like a deep friend of like Wakandans, and like he he really kind of helps bridge the worlds together um so it's it's really great to have him there and the guy does play like he plays a douchey character really well yeah um but uh so they bring in bucky who's in a uh he's in like a weird cage but on the front of the cage it says uh deck 23 um but if if you look at it it's d23 which is disney's big event uh, which is a nice little nod there. I also like the the chat that Falcon and, and uh, Cap and Black Panther have in the car when he's like, so are you into cats? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I love how Falcon really takes advantage of like the, the, the conversations between everything. Like, you know what I mean? Like, oh. like he, he really, he really, Falcon does an incredible job of being a very serious supportive character, but at the same time breaking the tension with humor so well. (laughs) Age of Ultron taught me just how entertaining it could be to have the Avengers sitting around talking about the most casual stuff imaginable. Yeah. And because of how intense the story keeps getting in phase three, we lose those moments, but Falcon will always find a way to find them. He just swoops in and just like, (laughs) literally he literally swoops in <laughs> and then and then on the receipt it says bird suit or bird outfit <laughs> oh man oh it's so good so we get the um we get the interrogation scene with zemo which is really cool it's really mm-hmm. well done you mentioned some weird uh you know weird phrases like boxcar all this stuff and a lot of people were trying to decipher what that means i think it's just all the whole load of nonsense really yeah um, hypnosis stuff if you remember in the first uh captain america podcast i thought they were already planting that when the nazis had him but yeah you, you pointed out you're like no no no, they don't hydra doesn't do that till much later um but yeah that's that's just random switch words that, that yeah exactly yeah. yeah exactly so um okay so the so the breakout happens and again just good old fight scene galore like this movie just gives you all the good fight scenes in so many different ways um i actually love the uh the fight scene with winter soldier in 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 the uh in the facility because uh we get to see an incredible first of all you know uh good old black widow does some pretty cool moves 
we get to see uh, Agent 13 do some pretty cool things. Mm-hmm. Uh, she does some pretty crazy kicks and stuff, gets thrown around. I love how Tony, we get to see like he has his little gadgets, like he doesn't have the full Iron Man suit, but you clearly can tell he's learned a lot from his past uh, situations, always finding a way to protect himself. Yeah, he's uh, out of the suit for most of the movie, but he's never helpless. And mm-hmm. he he does a piece of acting during this fight scene that I think you pointed out to me at first, because it was mm-hmm. in the trailers and stuff too, that just like, A, it's just further proof of just what a powerhouse actor RDJ is. But yeah. also like, it really sells the moment. Uh, and it's when um, Bucky is like grappling with him. And I think Bucky's got a gun to his face yeah. and he pulls the trigger but like he just barely misses and the camera's on Tony and we see him react with like horrific shock. Like, Oh my God, you are, you're aiming to kill. You're not just yes. trying to escape and not like, you want me to die right now. And you, all of that is expressed in this look. And that shot was in the trailer and I still get goosebumps every time I see him do that. Yeah. And it's, it's really cool. Um, uh, actually, um, Robert Downey in real life, he knows, uh, a martial arts form known as, uh, Wing Chun. And, uh, there's a lot of great movies that, that really show off this martial arts style popularized by Bruce Lee. Um, but, um, it's a very close quarter combat. A lot of, a lot of hand moving. Uh, Mm -hmm. he uses it a lot in Sherlock Holmes actually. Uh, is that and, what Ip Man does with the with the big wooden thing? Because he, he's always yes. hitting it with his hand. Yeah, ball. with the wooden yeah. dummy. Yeah, he's yeah. doing a lot of those crazy hand movements. But I think why Robert Downey uses it not only because he's a martial artist and knows that form, but it makes sense for Tony Stark because it's all calculation. Like it's all like like this hand goes here, which means I can do this. Like it's it's very it's a very quick chess match of movements. Uh. Um, in close quarters, which works really well for Tony. And I'd be remiss not to mention the beautiful uh, scene between Tony and Cap just before this all goes down. And he talks about like, you know, hey man, like we could fix this. Like if you just sign the damn thing. And I'm like, actually using that scene with some of my students right now. Some of my acting students. It's so good. And, yeah. and, and, you know, the critical thing I like about this is I, 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 I will say that I kind of agree with Cap. Like you can't can't like fully give control over to somebody because they may have an agenda and it may not be what you want. Um, and and so you know the best hands are still our own kind of thing uh, mm. because in the end they make the choices and they they fix whatever they do and that's why they're the Avengers. Um, but I, what I love about it was Cap was going to sign it. Like Cap was full out going to sign it, and yeah. then he and then. The one little thing, and it's it's a small thing, but it means so much to Cap, which is because Cap is about American values, which is freedom. And he finds out that Wanda is a prisoner in the house. She's under house arrest. Yes. And, and it's that little moment that breaks them up right then and there. And to me, it's even scarier... Like if, if Thunderbolt Ross had just come and slapped cuffs on her and been like, you're under house arrest, that would have sucked. But to me, it's even scarier that it's like, it's her friend, it's Vision, who's basically just standing in front of the door saying, I'm sorry, but you're not going anywhere. Like, that's horrific. Exactly. Right. Like, like, and this is what's crazy about it is like, is like Wanda wants to be able to live normally she just wants to eat paprikash and wear sweaters with holes in them that's exactly. all she asks for yeah paprikash right yeah. and and the thing is the thing is is that and remember guys remember her story 
she lost her brother grew an attraction to vision so she's kind of healing and getting into a world that she's starting to get comfortable in makes a huge event uh, a global event um and then on top of that they're all now hating her so just as her world was being built up it's being broken back down again yeah. So she's she's could be pretty unhinged at this point. Like, and the guy she any... likes kind of has skin, but she, it's something she's got to work around. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, um, so the fight scene breaks out. I love the scramble, and um, and again, I love I love the fight scenes in this. The whole warehouse sequence is amazing, uh, and uh, and I love that. Uh, the copter, the scene where Kev is pulling down the copter with one hand and yeah. just like pulling it in. Apparently, he pulled a muscle doing it, and they used the clip where you can see him kind of like tear his muscle. Oh yeah, um, he does not look happy in that. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, it does not look. It does not look good. Um, so they get Bucky, they save him, and uh, and they pull. And again, head trauma pulls him out of a hypnotic state, very much like what happened to Hawkeye and Avengers, the first Avengers. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we get the kind of the Ant Man end credit sequence played into uh, the movie at this point. Uh, and so, so yeah, it's an incredible scene, and uh, and yeah, and 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 I'm trying to remember where how the where we go from there i well, think what happens next is the the double recruitment so like oh Cap's, the Cap's is grabbing ant man yes Tony side is grabbing another insect man uh yeah you know it's funny i didn't even realize that they're both recruiting insect insect like characters at the same time well, uh, but so here's what's crazy. So, okay. So first of all, you know, Iron Man using Friday and Friday is a comic book character and, uh, and it's, it's great to have, you know, Iron Man doing his thing and he's, he's got the glasses now that allow him to like, that allow him to see and everything. This is the recruitment scene. I remember this scene, um, uh, because not only, you know, we get to get to my big moment here, which I'm really excited to talk about. Um, so, so Scarlet or sorry, Black Widow's like, okay, so I got my idea is downstairs. So she goes and goes downstairs to get recruit Black Panther because now she knows what he can do and he's got yeah. some skills. But we're also introduced to his personal bodyguard, the Dora Milaje, who are following him around, <laughs> which yeah. is wicked. Um, it's great to see. And I love it's a small scene with the Dora Dora Milaje, but uh I love she's like, move, or I shall move you. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm like, please have a fight scene with the Dora Milaje. That would be so good. Um, great scene. Love it. It's so good. And then here we go. We get Iron Man, which, you know, a lot of people question the logic of how it, how he knows about Spider-Man. But here's the thing. Um, the uh, Tony, Tony in the comic books um, had, had he uh, had the, um, uh, had a protocol in place that if something should ever happen to him, then he, then Jarvis would go out and recruit uh, Avengers based on his parameters. So, uh-huh. so he, I am not surprised. I'm sure with Tony, you know, after discovering, you know, enhanced in through the events of age of Ultron and he has a spe- satellite in the sky, 
who's to say he doesn't have in his back pocket, you know, like these people that can do all these things. And, and oh, true. Every time we see Tony Stark in an, like every time a new movie starts and he's in it, he already is like years ahead advancement wise as Iron Man than he was the last time we saw him. So there's right. plenty he's been doing between movies. Right. And, 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 uh, I mean, you know, in future movies, he's in different places. Like he's in India, he's in all sorts of places yeah. and who knows, who knows why he's there. Right. Like, He's, he's always thinking of solutions to everything. So, uh, the new, yeah. So he has a new Avengers. He has what he calls the new Avengers protocol and, uh, or the next Avengers protocol or something like that. And so this is a big scene for me because you, guy. you could have kept that secret and the payoff would have been huge. Ooh. It would have been massive my brother imagine not knowing oh my god my brother and i have talked about in the past my brother and i talked about in the past imagine imagine if you didn't know if you didn't know spider-man was going to be in it oh my god the payoff now i imagine on a business standpoint if i were sony i would be like guys if you're going to advertise this movie we need to show that we're working together because this would be good pr for us and i get it i totally get that and if that's the case i I'm all for it, like I, on a business standpoint. But as a fan, as a fan, I would have, oh, I would have killed. I would have killed for that as a surprise. You know what? I bet yeah. you you're right, dude. I bet you it was a, a, a matter of like, we business wise, our contract says we have to pimp this out to show that Sony's playing ball. Because like, look how secretive they are about literally everything else. Yep. Like, is Jonathan Majors playing Kang? Ooh, we can't tell you. Like, it's Kang. Who cares? Just tell us. But like, Spider-Man is so everybody knows him. This big secret, this this giant tumultuous event yeah. that not only affects the MCU, but is the first time in history that you've had this cross-pollination with movie studios. Uh, like, imagine the shock of 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 bringing that to the to the forefront in the theater and everybody losing their minds. Uh, so it, I think it makes perfect sense that it was just a matter of like, yeah, they want us to tell the world. Yeah. And, and again, it, as a business move, you know, you, you want to celebrate your collaboration in a PR standpoint right away. Like you really want to mm-hmm. go in there. And I mean, I mean, even during, I think the premiere for civil war, um, the head of Sony was the, like, not the head of Sony, but the head of Sony film was there. And she was like, oh yeah, we're very excited to work with Kevin Feige and, and the Marvel team. We love what they've done with the MCU. And, you know, we were very happy to put, you know, have Spider-Man be a part of it, blah, blah, blah. Um, and, uh, and so, so yeah, I'm a little upset that, you know, they, they put Spider-Man in the trailer. I love the scene though. And we get, we do get Aunt May, which is a nice surprise too. And I, and at first, you know, a lot of people were like, why isn't Aunt May this, you know, this old lady? And this is what I love about what Kevin Feige does with Marvel is like, okay, if we're going to tell a modern story about Peter Parker, then, you know, why does Aunt May have to be like an old lady? Like that, that wouldn't make sense. Like her living in New York today, like there's no way. It just doesn't, it doesn't, I don't see it working, right? Yeah, in the sixties, sure. Every teenager's aunt was an old lady, but yeah, now things are different. Now they can be, uh, what's the, what's the, the aunt equivalent of a MILF? An elf? An elf. Yeah. She's an elf. <laughs> She's an elf. Yeah. No, it's, um, yeah, and, and 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 Marissa Tomei. I mean, you know, she's had a lot of work with uh, with Robert Downey, so it's a nice little nod there of them together. Um, 
and uh and uh, yeah so it, it's a fantastic scene i love it it's it's so good and i love how you know tony's got it figured out and and they were talking about behind the scenes um of uh with the russos they were saying that you know it's it's funny that you know we were very excited to kind of have tony be like a mentor to spider-man and one of the fascinating things about it is is that um is is that you know tom holland's still a very young actor and so in the scenes that we were we were shooting that scene where he's like where he sits on the bed and he's like i'm gonna sit here so you better move that actually happened because he he was trying to sit there and and tom holland wouldn't move <laughs> so it's like a natural moment of him like mentoring him not only as an actor but as the as the, as the characters too which was really nice and um and in civil war the comics iron man played a very mentor like role to parker so it was it was a perfect setup in 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 building out that story could they have explained it more as to why he knew about him yeah they probably could have but i mean for me i i let my imagination do some of the work here you know like marvel does a lot of work for me but this is one of those situations where it was perfect he's like clearly if you see, if you have this event that was caught on YouTube, by the way, <laughs> of, you know, Spider-Man catching a, a car, you know, like that's pretty impressive, right? Yeah. Like that's going to cause Tony Stark to be aware of it because Tony Stark is a man who's burdened with knowledge. Like he needs to know everything. So it's, it's a beautiful scene. And, um, and I love that. I just love that whole thing. And, and, we get a great explanation uh, from Parker, which again, it's like all you need to know if you're not a fan is something happened to him, changed his life. Exactly. It's just like the Black Panther thing. We don't need to see him, you know, strapping on the suit for the first time and being like, henceforth I shall fight crime as like, we don't need that moment. We don't need to see uncle Ben. What this does is civil war is his origin story just in a different way. Uh, yeah. Civil War is about T'Challa becoming king, not T'Challa becoming Black Panther. Just as it's not about Peter becoming Spider-Man, it's about Peter becoming a professional superhero. Exactly, and and so so and that's it. It's, that's beautifully said. Professional superhero it couldn't have been better. Um, so and I love that. Like, and they talk about like the webbing, they, they are already set up like, Hey, you clearly made this. This is your webbing. Mm -hmm. Um, and he's like, tensile strength is off the charts. And he's like, I made it. And, oh, great. Nod there. Um, and so they're recruiting all these heroes and, uh, I love, I love Hawkeye getting, uh, uh, Wanda out of the facility. It's, it's very well, well done. That's one um, of my favorite quotes in the movie, by the way, where she's like, what are you doing here? And he says, disappointing my kids. <laughs> you know, and, and again, I, I first, I was really reluctant about the Hawkeye having a family thing, but, uh, one of the most popular Hawkeye comics written by Matt Fraction, um he uh he actually established that hawkeye had a family and he has a brother who's like um who is kind of like another hawkeye if you will uh kind of a b-grade hawkeye uh but yeah it, it, i think it makes sense for hawkeye to have that kind of grounding otherwise he'd be a pretty empty shell that just you know seems to want to cause more problems for the team than yeah like and, and listen linda cardellini is one of the most beautiful women on the planet as far yeah. as concerned, so she can show up as much as she wants exactly she can get as much hawkeye family as we need even more 
Uh, and you know, you know what's interesting about it is that uh, it's one of the probably the most clear shot of Hawkeye where you actually get to see him use both hands to fire the arrows. In this movie, in the shot, in the shot where he sets up the electric trap for Vision, oh. he fires an arrow with his right hand, and then he switches and fires an arrow with his left hand. Wow! See, this is why you hire Ryan to catch little details, folks. Yeah. And uh, it's it's really cool. It's it's a it's a small, really flashy thing, but but if you if you pay attention carefully, he switches hands when he when he fires his arrow. So it clearly shows that yeah, he's a uh, omnidextrous arrow archer. Wow, good for you, Hawkeye. Good for you, right? And I love that. And and again, Hawkeye is is one of the most honest members of the group. So he will call he will call BS if you're BSing him. Like yeah, it, which which is which is why I found it interesting he wasn't there for the conversation because I'm pretty sure he would have been on cap side, which is clearly obvious later on. But I'm pretty sure he would have established he was on cap side right out of the gate. Like doesn't make sense, right? <laughs> so we get to see this really cool demonstration of Wanda's power and again another another layer of like what she can do which is essentially control people and she puts vision through the ground and the earth into the earth's core essentially essentially um and so i love the airport battle sequence i don't think there's any scenes that we need to mention before we get to the airport battle sequence no i don't think so so let's let's do it, my friend. We're at the airport. This is the coolest. So this is like an underwhelming fight that's over in a couple. Of <laughs> you know. This is this is what fans, you know, you th- you th- you thought you got what you wanted in Age of Ultron, which is them just being them, uh, Avengers being Avengers. But man, this is a superhero throwdown. Like this is this is a, something that's never been done before, where we have all these different heroes just battling it out. And it's not like they found out that they have the same, uh, their mothers share the same name. It was, this was built up over a series of movies. It leads to a huge disagreement, which ends up in a huge battle. It's so good. It's so good. You know what? I'm going to, I'm going to drop a movie title on you, Ryan, that I don't think uh, anybody expects to hear period, not just on a Marvel podcast, but period. And that movie title is, Mortal Kombat, wait for it, Annihilation. Uh... And the reason I bring up this bizarre movie is because it does something that I friggin' love that is also present here in this airport scene where when there's a big fight going down, it's it's clear before the fight starts, well in advance before the fight starts, it is clear that for every character on one side, they have a rival on the other. Uh, somebody who might have similar powers or is evenly matched with them. And that when the fight begins, you know, those two are going to eyeball one another and they're going to charge one another. Oh, uh, I love that. The climax of Mortal Kombat Annihilation does that. And obviously it's done to a much better extent here. Like, you know, uh, Cap and Iron Man are going to go head to head. But then it's like Vision and Wanda. Are, are you know making eyes across the tarmac and not in a sexy way and like uh yeah me through the earth's core way um spider-man and ant-man like it's everybody is matched up uh, natasha and hawkeye like they they are bffs but it's like we gotta fight now and i think that kind of 
answers your question from earlier of like, it's weird that Hawkeye would side with Tony because he's a no BS kind of guy. And I think that was a, a numbers game. Cause I think both sides had six people on it yep. and, and B because it was a perfect matchup to get him to fight Scarlet witch uh, to get him to fight black widow um, and, and have that, that rivalry set up. And I love when movies do that so much. And that is why to my dying breath, I think that, you know, we, we had such a great four Avengers movies. I love all the Avengers movies, but I think, you know, you want to keep upping the ante always. And I think the best way to do that is Avengers five or six or well, Avengers five, we know is going to be Christine Everhart. So we can. Oh God. If you, you know, how do you top Thanos as a villain? And I think the way to do that in Avengers six is it has to be not a villain. It has to be villains. It has to be a team of villains going up against the team of heroes and get that matchup, get, you know, Scarlet Witch should have, you know, a, a big, bad, magical villain that she has to fight. And Reed Richards has to have some big, bad, sciencey villain who he has to fight. And he, I, like, I want big name villains. I'm not talking like Thanos' Black Order or whatever. Like, they're fine. But I'm talking like, you know, get Doctor Doom, Magneto, King, whatever. Get that team up. Oh, for- yeah. Team up. Because that's how you raise the stakes. And I just, I am itching to see, uh, you know, a, an Avengers scale battle like this where it's not minions it is just one team versus another oh i couldn't agree more man just like you know it's 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 the x-men versus the brotherhood right like you want you want the the baddies versus the goods and this is this is what's beautiful about this is this is just all the heroes just just dishing it out um and so this fight scene is is absolutely gorgeous. Every second, you just want to eat up every second of this this scene. Uh, and what's funny is is actually we did we did neglect to mention a little more backstory about the Winter Soldier here. Um, that he's a part of a program of like you know these super soldiers that are you know obviously based on Captain America, classic comic book writing. Um, and it really the story takes a step back because really that and and it rightfully so because. This is not the main story. The main story is these heroes having issues with each other, like the, the main problem here. Um, so this fight scene is sort of the climactic fight, if you will, or or leading up to the climactic fight. Um, and it's it's an epic battle, and, and it, it's it's just visual, it's just visual amazement. It's just absolutely just a joy to watch. Um, and so we get all sorts of great scenes. We get, you know, Hawkeye and and uh and black panther duking it out at one point and i love how he catches the the arrows and they explode in his face he just drops them like he's like we haven't met yet i'm i'm clint and he's like i don't care, <laughs> I don't care. and and again even though this is a this like this is captain america 3 this is a captain america movie yeah we are advancing the plots of all the characters who are in it this is the first time um scott lang turns into giant man Oh yeah, so I have to I have to tell you about this because this is also a little spoiler that happened to me. Um, which, by the way, if you haven't seen this movie, spoilers. Uh, but uh, but I think at this point, if you're listening to this podcast, you clearly have watched the movies at this is some point or another. everybody jumped ahead an hour and thirty four minutes into the podcast, and they're like, yeah. you know what, like a good place to start. <laughs> but but I I saw. This is actually during the time where reviews of movies and stuff, they were kind of a little more loose. Like they would put like 
spoilers in the titles or like in the early part of the article. Uh, now it's yeah. been now it's been really tame. Like they get companies get really harsh about that kind of stuff now, and there's a lot of strict rules uh, about about spoilers and stuff. So now there's like non spoilers and non spoiler articles, and and you know you can't read past this point because there will be spoilers. Blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. So I remember reading. Uh, I remember searching searching civil war and it's there there was a the press screening the press pre-screening for the movie and one of them put or no it wasn't the press pre-screening there was a toy conference just before the movie and one of the people in the toy conference decided oh man big spoiler uh or no yeah, big big spoiler and or giant man's going to be in civil war because of this funko toy and that was the headline. And I was like, mother... <laughs> Damn it, Funko. Oh, Funko jumped the gun and showed the preview of the Civil War line. And they had the giant man. And so I knew it was coming. And I was so mad. So mad. Because again, that was that actually was a surprise. Because no one really knew what was going to happen. And it was so cool. It was so good. Um, but we get a lot of comic book justice in that uh, in that sequence. Um, first of all, we get Spider-Man Web in the Shield, and then yeah. the Hey Everyone, which I'm surprised we didn't do that as the intro of our podcast. But the Hey Everyone, <laughs> um, and he's like Spider-Man, big fan, and it's just such a Spider-Man line. Like it's the way he talks and everything is just such a such a great like it's exactly as you would read it in the comics. It's so good, um, and I love that like Ant-Man's tucked away in the shield. Uh, I will also say I love that Ant-Man slides into or Hawk Ant-Man does the thing with Hawkeye where he holds on to the arrow and he fires off into the air. Uh, great scene gets into Iron Man's armor. Love that sequence. Uh, and then and then, um, yeah, War Machine gets goes after Cap and really tries to dish him in one pretty badly. Um, but yeah, the Giant Man sequence when he switches into Giant Man. Oh, my God. I. Honestly, if if I did not see if I did not see um that toy surprise, honestly, that would have been the last thing on my mind that he was going to do that. Oh. And it it looked really like I think Giant Man has the potential to look kind of silly if he's done wrong, but it looked yeah. really good. It looked scary. Mm-hmm. Uh and you know, everybody's reacting accordingly like, "Whoa, okay, this there's a big guy on the field now. Do you all see this? Am I crazy? Tiny dude's big now. Tiny dude's big. <laughs> uh, yeah. And then, you know, War Machine, this whole, like, the way the, the fight comes to a close, did you, uh, were you afraid that we were going to lose War Machine? Because I remember a lot of uh, buzz swirling, like whisper swirling before the movie came out that uh, civil war would not be without its casualties and that we might lose. Mm-hmm. Yes. Europe. Yes. Uh, I did not think we were going to lose. Um, I had a theory that we might lose cap because that's what happens in civil war is you lose, you lose Captain America. Um, but I didn't think we were going to lose like war machine or anything. I, I had a theory that cap, that cap might, do one of those like Disney deaths where they, where he dies in this movie, but he comes back later. Like he survived or something in uh, some, some crazy way he survived. Uh, but yeah, no, I didn't, I didn't think any other character would have died. Um, or even actually I had, I did have a, 
a scary thought in the back of my head that Spider-Man may go because it, he had that one big movie appearance and then he was the death, oh. uh, that kind of thing. But then I'm like, wait, that makes that makes no sense. And it's highly unbelievable because why would you make such a big deal about him being in the movie and then just take him out just for the one movie, especially when Marvel's on such a hot streak? Uh, I think um, there were at that point. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah, it would have been definitely some riots. So anyway, um, yeah, no, I, I didn't think about that. But also, I love the fight scene with Falcon and Spider-Man and, and Winter Soldier. And yeah. like Spider-Man catches the arm. He's like, whoa, you got a metal arm. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's Spider-Man in the movie is like a great way for like our generation to fit within, you know, the, the movie in, in a fun way. Uh, yeah, and especially like when I think of myself, you know, I grew up with Spider-Man. He was the guy I grew up with. But yeah, the the two primary Spider-Men I grew up with were the the '90s cartoon, the Fox cartoon, and the yep. uh, the Sam Raimi trilogy. And in both of those trilogies, he was always kind of a grown-up. Uh, even though Spider-Man yeah. one, he's in high school. Like, let's face it, Tobey Maguire was like, "Damn, you're 39 when he made that movie. That dude does not look like a teenager." Yeah. So he the spider-man that i have known even though the cliche description is shy teenager peter parker the spider-man i have always known as not a teenager he is at most a college kid uh and even then like he was always depicted very adult uh so the fact that we finally saw that teenage side of him in a way that wasn't garbage andrew garfield cough um <laughs> that, that to me really was like it was refreshing it was a cool little look at like ah oh, yeah this is you know spider-man's a kid he's he's uh like he's like very guy. young he's yeah. very young when that guy in spider-man 2 when they pull him onto the subway car and that guy's like he's just a kid it's kind of tough to swallow when you notice that toby mcguire's you know signing his pension checks but yeah. you really feel that now with with tom holland I'm like yeah he's just a kid man you know he is in, in it's it's he is just a kid but like if i were to say he's either like he's either in his last year of high school or like or the second like second last year like he's on the the end of his high school year um like he can drive a car like he can get yeah. he can go out and get his license and all that stuff um and yeah he's the perfect age in this movie i think it's it's just so fitting and yeah. it's such an incredible fight scene um so so yeah, so the fight scene is just gorgeous, and I, 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 there's so many moments. Um, actually, so I love the scene where Ant Man gives Cap the truck, and he's like, "Throw it at this," and he, and then you know, War Machine gets totally decked by a fuel truck. But in yeah. the background, you actually see a nod from Arrested Development, uh, the the Flergenhofen or whatever the the truck for the uh, the airport, the Bluth stair car. That's right. Yeah, the, that's yeah. the one. Um, so yeah, the blues car there, uh, the blues truck that will help them get into their plane. Uh, so that's, uh, that's there from again, the Russo start as a directing on TV series, uh, rest of development. Uh, but yeah, the, um, fight scene is just gorgeous. It's incredible. And it, I, I think the war machine moment was really well done. Uh, and, and again, the, the fight scene was both serious and fun and it was just a dance, of of that tone throughout the entire fight scene like as when there was a serious moment there's a fun moment um and uh i love that you know <laughs> there's kind of a jiminy cricket moment with ant-man and iron man i love that yeah. uh and um and also you know uh um i love 
the fight scene between Cap and Spider-Man and Cap lays out Pete pretty badly. Like he, oh, yeah. that kick he takes is pretty brutal. Um, <laughs> but I mean, I love it. And, and Spider-Man has a great line. He's like, um, he said to go for your legs. Uh, and he said, oh yeah, what else did he say? And he's like, yeah, you're right. He's, or no, that you're wrong. You think you're right. And that makes you dangerous. And it's like such a classic, like a uh, cap line to give to cap. Um, and so, uh, it's, it's a beautiful fight scene and so well, and it ends with vision being right, which is, you know, uh, constant or, um, uh, catastrophe. And, and we get, you know, widow helps cap and winter soldier get out there. Uh, and so what I love about this is the heroes get arrested, um, and they're taken to the raft, which is a famous comic book reference to a superhero prison. Right. And uh, I think I have that in my notes here. This is the first time we see the raft in the MCU, isn't it? That is correct. This is the yeah. first time we see the raft. This is a project, uh, obviously, by Tony, who's, again, kind of every step ahead of the game here. He obviously knows he's going to fight some super baddies. So he has a jail ready for for uh, for these uh, high-level dangers. And, uh, and yeah, it's, a, again, a great job. And then... I love that. I love how dark this scene is. Like when, when Tony goes in there, like they hate him. They hate him. Yeah. Like I, um, Scott, I almost said Paul Rudd. Uh, Scott is like, it's funny cause he's, he's really bitter. And again, it's this, it's this great little, uh, carryover of the character. You know, they're not just having him make little jokes and stuff because he's the goofy ant man. Like they're, they're staying true to his character where he's, a small time crook. Yep. And a majority of time behind bars. And, you know, really he, uh, he has been at the butt end of the um, corruption of the justice system where it's like, yeah, you know, all, all these, all these uh, really big criminals and like corrupt businesses and whatever, we're going to let them slide. But, Oh, you burgled a pearl necklace, four years in prison. Like, yeah, he, he has been um, subjected to the broken American justice system. So when Tony walks in and Ant-Man is behind this prison cell, it's not just a, Ooh, I'm mad because you beat us at the airport. It's like, uh, you're, you're another one of those billionaires. You know, you're going to go back to your ivory tower and not get blamed for whatever damage you do. Meanwhile, I'm just trying to stand up for myself and I get thrown in prison. Like, Oh yeah. Yeah. And he says it, he says it so poetically, he's like, uh, Hank Pym said, you can never trust a Stark. Right. And yeah. it's, it's, and it's a beautiful way to kind of have him have a role in this whole world. And it's, and I, but I do love the little humor where Tony's like, and who are you? Like it's, but it's, but it plays to the theme you're talking about. He's just going to go to his ivory tower and not worry about, you know, what just transpired. Cause it, does, it doesn't matter to him. Right. Yeah. It doesn't, doesn't matter. And, uh, and Hawkeye just lays him out. He calls him out for it better watch out for this guy he's gonna you know better watch your back he might break it like you know like he not only comments on what happens to war machine but like slaps him in the face that he's not to be trusted like just lays him out for it yeah yeah hawkeye's a scary dude when he's mad oh yeah oh for sure and then uh and then i love that falcon's the only one that kind of like you know just kind of understands that you know it's not personal it's just or it doesn't have to be personal. It's exactly. And it's that's, unfortunate. That's a testament to him 
eventually, spoilers, becoming the next Captain America because he's acting the way Steve would act. He's being diplomatic. He's like, yes, you know, he's exactly. putting aside, even though he's behind the bar, he's not like cursing and spitting at Tony. His first thing is like, how is Rhodes? Is Rhodes yeah. going to be okay? Exactly. And I love how you say diplomatic because that's exactly it. It's, it's, they see, they know they see different, they see it different ways. And the same, it's, it's the relationship with Cap is, and, and there's a, it's, it's that relationship where he was going to get him to sign the, sign the treaty, which was, um, uh, or sign the accords, which was, you know, like he, he knows that he doesn't fully agree with him, but he understands that they need him. Like they, yeah. and, and Falcon's the same way. Like he understands that Tony plays a role that, that they need him for. And, 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 and it, it, and I love how you said that diplomatic is, is for sure. And so, and then I, and then Tony realizes he was wrong and that there's this the whole thing going on with helmet Zemo. And we're introduced to the fact that his name is Zemo, um, officially on screen now. So, um, or well, he does mention that his name is Zemo to the Hydra agent, but we get his full backstory that he was a Sokovian soldier, uh, you know, the, the super elite squad, and his name is Colonel Helmut Zemo. Um, and so we, so yeah, so he realizes wrong, starts to catch up with Cap, um, which again, it's just amazing how that part of the story is so small in comparison to this epic battle, which is totally understandable. And speaking of epic, um, you know how we always bring up how in the Winter Soldier, the, the Russos had a lot of influence in there uh, from the Empire Strikes Back, like everything from the the way the the set dressing was during the climax and everything. Like yes. there was a lot of Empire in that movie. Mm-hmm. I noticed uh, during this rewatch another huge Empire Strikes Back moment that happens right here. Do you know what I'm talking about? The hand. No, no, Ooh. I don't know what you mean by the hand, but that's interesting. If there's another moment that I miss, yeah, yeah, Winter Soldier gets his hand blown off. Oh, okay, wow, yeah, that's that's. I didn't even think of that. So there you go. There's two. There's two Empire moments. Um, Just the, further proving your point. Further proving my point. Uh, no, the one I was thinking of was, uh, you know, Tony uh, tells Ross. He puts Ross on hold, whatever. And he's like, oh, yeah, uh, he has this little snarky conversation with Ross. And then he he goes to where the, the location Falcon told him where Cap and Bucky are off to. He zips off to go to go confront Cap and Bucky and be like, hey, I'm sorry. I, I found out about Zemo. I know. And then after he leaves, Boba Fett, like, along comes T'Challa. Oh, my God. In his own ship, following and being like, I'm getting in on some of this. You know, it's crazy. I don't think anyone's picked up on that. You're like, welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> oh my god! Infinity rewatch exclusive, guys. Because I'm I'm dead serious. I've done the research, and everyone picks up on the hand, but no one's picked up on the cla- the the Boba Fett reference. That's insane. It is beat for beat. I even think, if I'm not mistaken, I even think there's like stuff floating, like garbage floating. Or, or something like there's debris or something just like in when when boba fett's chasing the falcon like it yeah. was so close to that that i was yeah. like i just had this big smile on my face oh man it's it's oh, that's so oh man it's so true man that's amazing well it's a great that's a great call out and so iron man gets it they get over there and what i love about zemo what i love about zemo in this entire movie 
in this entire movie is he doesn't throw a punch. Yeah. Does not throw one punch. And and what he does is so brilliant because it ties in Winter Soldier. It ties in Iron Man and Cap's story, brings them together in a whole new light. And it's so good. And he talks about his dad being assassinated and that that Bucky was uh, Bucky was behind it, and Cap didn't know because Zola told him right how it went down. Um, and so uh, he didn't outright say that he did it, but he said that like Winter Soldier would correct mistakes and all that stuff. So mm-hmm. clearly, you could put two and two together. Um, great scene though, and then uh, you know I always thought that maybe Zemo. Uh, because he said that the super soldiers in their cryo sleep or whatever have been long dead. Uh, but the way it looks, I, I thought that Zemo might have actually extracted maybe some DNA because Zemo in the comics is known for creating Virus X, which is kind of like a reverse Earth grind thing where it gives him cap like powers, but it slowly destroys his body. Mm. Um, so he needs Zola to kind of have a treatment that slow, like, like slows the disease to a crawl and he still gets the benefits of like being essentially super strong and all this stuff. Is that why he wears the pink hood? Yeah, kind of there's a, there's a reason for that and it's all tied in there together for that. Um, but yeah, the pink, the pink outfit is, is a, a big, uh, a big signature for Zemo. It's just his, his Royal look, I guess, if you will, for, for Hydra. Um, so we're getting so, it in the show, which makes me excited. Yeah, so it's it's a great it's we're getting it in the Falcon Winter Soldier. So when that ever comes out at this point, yeah, twenty twenty seven. Yeah, but anyway, it's a great scene, and and again, Robert just sells this performance. Like, yes, oh man, you see the pain, and then like it's a full out brawl from there. Uh, great fight scene. And, and, and there's a beautiful moment where Cap like blocks the the repulsor rays, and it's exact shot from the comics. Yes, the pose and everything. Um, the fight scene is brutal. The beatdown's crazy. I've seen the beatdown used in so many like console war memes, uh, <laughs> and uh, it's it's just so good. It's it's such an incredible fight scene, and Zemo again just gets away with it and just walks out. Um, and what I love about it is, is Black Panther is the one that kind of stays calm and, and stays, uh, stays on target for the whole thing. Um, so, so yeah, beautiful fight scene and yeah, Bucky gets his arm blown off, which is the reference to his arm getting cut off. Uh, and, um, and I love that, uh, again, Iron Man, uh, Tony just thinking ahead here with Friday and he's just like analyzes fight pattern and he's like all right let's take him out and just figures out that all he has to do is just use his armor to to read out the fight and take him out and i love it. he cries that the shield is his uh it belongs to him it's a great mm-hmm. desperate cry that like you know his that it's kind of that brother the the younger brother versus the older brother and like that yeah. like you know yeah the but, you know tony was a, a very young guy when mm-hmm. his parents died and as soon as this fight starts, as soon as, you know, that Zemo breaks that, that revelation, uh, he pretty much reverts back to that, that kid. Yeah. He becomes a kid like you killed my mom. That shields mine. Like it's, it's a very psychological 
a very realistic psychological thing to happen to somebody. It's not just like him being like, I'm mad now. Like, no, he's, he's regressing uh, because, you know, the last time he saw his parents alive, he was that young. And no matter how much life he's lived since then, that's going to come rushing back and mess with him in a very dangerous, very unhealthy way after finding out this news. Yeah. I mean, but you know, the way I looked at it, and I agree with you, but I would take it one step further. And the way I look at it is that Bucky took his mom and yeah. Cap took his dad. Yeah. His dad dad yeah. would never, never stop talking about Captain America. Right. So, so it's a beautiful scene where they're both walking away. And that's why he's saying like that shield belongs to me. It's mine. Cause it's his last of the thing of his parents. Right. So, um, and I love how Cap leaves him the shield. Like it's, it's so, it's such a perfect thing. And Cap almost essentially almost kills him by, sure. uh, taking out taking me out with the shield and like knocking almost knocking the helmet off um it's a it's a great scene and, and what i love about it is uh so after this all the dust settles and everything uh everett ross talks about like hey you know what bathroom breaks are between this to this and you know all this stuff and he's like you've come so far and you failed and he's like did i and it's so beautiful because Without throwing a punch, he like completely destroyed the Avengers, which yes. is pretty crazy. And it it's I haven't read too many Marvel comics, but one of the few that I have is I've I have read Civil War. And what I love is that the movie stayed true to a very important message. Uh and and you know, despite the whole fact where even I think the poster tagline for the movie was all like, whose side are you on, blah, blah, blah. And, and like the poster is like Cap's face versus Iron Man's face. Like it's very much drawing a line in the sand and setting up this big war. The message that the comic put forward and that the movie remains true to, and I love it so much for this, is that in this story, if there is a winner, then everybody loses. Yeah. It's so true. Oh my God. It's so true. And we got that even though like, you know, the comic ended in a very different way. Uh, what we end up with here is, you know, yeah. Bucky and cap beat the crap out of, out of Iron Man. He's almost dead. They walk away the quote unquote victors. But the minute the first punch was thrown, all the good guys lost. Yep. Yep, it's so true. It's so true. Um, it's oh man, it's 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 just such a beautiful, beautiful movie, and it's it's a great way to show how you can make a superhero movie feel grounded, and it's all in the consequences. It's all in the consequences. It's so yeah. good. Um, and so I love, and then we're seeing that War Machine's alive, and he, you know, Tony Stark's already helping him, you know, get these kind of leg stilts that hold him up. Yeah, he's um, doing. Physiotherapy. You're doing physiotherapy. And I what I love about it though is he says that, you know what, I've been been through this is a bad, you know, bad jam and uh been through some rough stuff, but he's like, but you know, I did everything because I wanted to, and it's it, it's it's it because I believed it was the right thing to do. And and it's it's a beautiful scene for to to let Tony know. And it's it's again, it's one of those things that they lost. They lost the battle, like overall, because everyone lost except for Zemo, really. Yeah. But, but you know, Rhodes does a really great thing, and and to his buddy, he says like, look, like, like, uh, you know, it, it may have been, you know, may, this may be bad, but 
it was the right thing to do. Like we did the right thing and, and it's a really great way. And, and I love that he puts uh, Ross on hold. Like you said, he would, he's like, Hey, if you find out anything, you know, put me on hold or, um, he's like, yeah, give me a call. I'll put you on hold. I love listening to the thing. <laughs> and, uh, we get our Stanley, Stanley cameo as, uh, as always. Stank. Yep. And, uh, Mr. Stank. <laughs> oh, and I love that this cameo he had was, pretty much without specifying he was pretty much playing willie lumpkin i like to think that he was basically stepping into the role of willie lumpkin again yeah <laughs> yeah no it's so good um it's 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 wonderful always it's it's just such a delight to have stanley as the as the cameos you know yeah. also may he rest in peace uh but uh yeah it's it was always just such a joy to see him in every everything because you know even even from the beginning in like X-Men movies and, and all in Fantastic Four as well. Um, it was just, yeah, it's just, it's nice that he gets to be in his world, you know, the world that he created and yeah. with, with all these great artists and everything. So uh, I loved it. And they always find a clever way to put him in it. So there he is. And so we get two end credit sequences. We get, uh, we get a glimpse of Wakanda with the beautiful Black Panther statue. Uh, Wakanda forever! Wakanda forever! Uh, I love it. And, uh, and you know, Bucky's like, yeah. And, and it, it's cool too, because we also get to see the technology of Wakanda, which is really, yeah. really cool. Uh, really nice to see that. So we really get to see Wakanda in its full, you know, full glory. And then we also get to see the Spidey signal. Ooh, he's got a little signal on his wrist. Now, now this, because I didn't read the comics, I didn't know about the signal. I didn't know it existed. Mm-hmm. So, this scene to me was less exciting than seeing Wakanda. I was just like, Ooh. okay, you just got a light. Like that looks like a toy you would buy at Walmart, like a little light that you shine on the ceiling. And it's like, oh yeah, there's Spider-Man's face. Uh, but it was exciting. And it, it was sort of um, more than anything else, sort of like a confirmation that Sony's not just going to play ball once. Yes. This, yeah. is, this is happening. He's getting his own series. It ties in. Um, because that's something that we were all still hesitant about. We're like, okay, we all saw the trailer. Spider-Man's in it. Great. How far does this contract extend though? Because we don't want to get our hopes up. Yeah. Uh, we saw what y'all did with Amazing Spider-Man. So like we, we, how good are you going to let Spider-Man be? And the answer was this good. Yeah. And, and, you know, actually I'm surprised. I'm a little surprised in you, sir. I really am. Because if you uh, watch the Spider-Man cartoon, he uses the Spidey signal a lot. I don't remember him using it. He uses it in the first episode. He does? <laughs> he does. Chameleon episode, right? I think he fights Chameleon in the first episode. Oh, oh, Fantasia. Wow. Why can't I remember this? It's Maybe the lizard. Was... The Night of the Lizards, the Night first episode. The that's right. It was Night of the Lizard. Yeah, and he's in the sewer, and he lifts up his belt, and he, he turns on the uh, Spidey he's signal. He's got a flashlight on his belt. Yeah, a little yeah. flashlight. And it looks like the Spidey head, the little... Yeah, the little Spidey face. Wow. How did I miss that? Yeah, no, it happens, man. It happens. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's all good. Um, uh, but yeah, it's there. Uh, it's there. He has the Spidey signal. Um, really nice nod. And again, yeah, at this point, the conversation just went off the rails. It's like, oh, does is MCU and Sony have this big deal now, and it's permanent? How many movies are we gonna get? All this stuff. And uh, again, I would have loved to have not seen him in the trailer because the payoff would have been 
that <laughs> people would have had heart attacks in that movie theater. Let me tell you, because, oh man, oh, I've seen some moments in my experience of, of seeing all the, all the Marvel films, all the Marvel films, nothing has got people jumping out of their seats than, than just than MCU movies. Like, oh. like I've seen so many movies in the theater. I've seen, I've seen DC movies. I've seen regular movies and I've never seen people cheer, jump, gasp, react, go crazy. Like, like people in MCU movies. And, let me tell you, even even though it was spoiled, people were still blown away that Spider-Man was in the in the movie. When I perfect the technology that lets me travel to parallel universes, and I will, um, uh, one of the first places I'm going to go is a universe where that was not spoiled in the trailer, and I'm oh, going to specifically yeah. go and watch you and Nick watch this movie uh. this time, having no idea what you're in for. And just record your reactions. Oh my god! Yeah, you know it's it's funny because um, because there's a moment that was not spoiled in a future movie, uh, Endgame, and uh, and uh, Russos have filmed filmed that moment happening in the theater. And it's funny because again, in the world we are today, and, and movie theater is going through a bit of a rocky patch. Um, you know, you can't you can't take those moments for granted. You know, it's, it's such a, it's such a magical moment. It's just, that's what, that's why we go to the movies, you know, it's these big yeah. events. Uh, but yeah, no, it, it, in the end, it is so good. It, I mean, Black Panther, Spider-Man, uh, we get Aunt May, we get the door, Melage, we get the, uh, we get uh, Everett Ross. We get so many characters. Absolutely. We get well, Zemo. Gonna, we get everybody. Blind there because we have our, tradition here on the show where we add to our marvel character encyclopedia all the characters that's right comics who end up on the big screen here so i'm gonna i'm gonna start adding to the list here and if i miss anybody let me know i'm gonna start with the most prominent one so that would be zemo i think yep so i'm just gonna type in a zemo and then if i go chronologically from there i think the next person we meet would be everett ross yep Okay, come on, notes app. There we go, Everett Ross. And then we meet T'Chaka and T'Challa. Yep. And well, Spellcheck's going to have fun with this one. Okay, <laughs> T'Chaka and Black Panther. Slash Man, I can't wait for Black Panther 2, even though it's going to be, you know, depressing. It's, uh, you know, it's going to not only be depressing, it's going to be very different. It's going to yeah. be a very different. And I, I, yeah, I just don't know how they're going to do it without him. I, I don't know how they're going to do it. It's, I mean, I've, I've seen and heard so many rumors at this point. And I, I honestly, I honestly think that, uh, you know, it's just one of those things where, I, I think they're just going to have to figure out something. They're going to do something. They're going to obviously do something. I just don't know what or how. I don't envy them that because just like uh, yeah. last Carrie Fisher, um, yep. who's, who, you know, whose birthday was yesterday, by the way, as the mm-hmm. time of the parties. Like I don't envy whoever had to write episode nine with, with Carrie Fisher out of the picture. Yeah. Um, so we got T'Chaka and T'Challa. We got Ever Ross. We got Zemo. We got Aunt May. Uh, Aunt May is that an angel? Uh, 
we get a we get a Koya. We get a Koya who's the Dora Milaje. Oh, okay, yes. Uh, where's my A's? There they are. And oh, she's almost near the top. No, you I know? think it's I think it's O apostrophe K something. Let me oh, let me look, okay. up. Let me look it up for you. Okay, O Y E. I think. I think. I remember yeah. this way. Yeah. Uh, and then we got uh, Spider Man. The spider yep. who is also a man. Uh, so that's that's a nice bunch of new faces. It's a heavy, heavy roster of new faces. Are we missing anybody? I don't think so. Uh, did we get we got Ross? You got Ross? We got Ross. Um, we already had Sharon Carter. Yeah. Yeah, it's O K O Y E. Yeah, perfect. Okay. Yeah. So wow, we got a lot of new faces, and then no. Oh, the only person who died would be T'Chaka, I think. Yep. Only death. So if we hop on over to our Marvel Memorial Cemetery. We have to make a grave for King T'Chaka. And of course, we like to figure out what kind of grave or monument or statue that they would have. And I, I think, plain and simple, this would be a very regal Black Panther statue making the Wakandan salute. Oh, yeah, for sure. Maybe um, underneath like one of those um, African savanna trees, like the ones you see when T'Challa goes into that like dream world. You know, yep. like those trees would be in the cemetery and then the statue would be underneath it. That's what I'm picturing. <laughs> yeah. I love it. I love it. Oh, the cemetery is shaping up really nice. Um, so, do you know what time it is? It's time. Time, time to uh, time to rate, rate the movie. Time to rate the movie. On a scale of zero to six infinity stones, or if you so choose... You bump that six up to a seven and make it an infinity gauntlet. What are we given this movie? Oh my God. Okay. This one, I'm going to have to give a gauntlet. And I know, I know I, again, we talked about it the last one. I'm like hesitant about giving gauntlets out. So, so freely, but this one deserves it because you have to understand the monumental things they did uh, in this movie. Uh, first of all, to take on civil war as a story and, and use the heroes they had as opposed to all the heroes in the comic book. It's, it's quite a war. Um, but, uh, it's, it's incredible how they did it. Um, and I think that this story generated a lot of conversations with fans. It was an incredibly well done story. And it was also a cinematic event, you know, uh, with, with the the heroes throwing down and stuff like a lot of people talked about how like you know marvel's built up this story for so long so it's it was so good and it was a big payoff so that's why i give it a gauntlet yeah we are very liberal with gauntlets here but you know what i'm giving it a gauntlet too yeah <laughs> it deserves it um have, have you ever read ready player one Ryan or seen the movie? Uh, I've never read it and I want to watch it. So I haven't, I haven't done either yet, but if you need to spoil something, just go right ahead. Okay. Well, it's not a spoiler. So you don't have to worry about a spoiler, but uh, you, I don't know if you know the gist of the story, but there's a, yeah, uh, I I know the gist. And and the game was invented by this billionaire who loves eighties pop culture. Right. Mm -hmm. And the billionaire uh, has like a journal that he keeps. And the main character is always 
reading from the journal and quoting from the journal. And this billionaire guy's name was Halliday. Halliday was a big fan of movies, obviously. And growing up in the, you know, in the eighties and whatnot, he had in his journal, he had what he called the Holy Trilogies. Uh, and, and on that list, he had Star Wars, both the originals and the prequels. Um, by the uh... was written, the new ones weren't out yet. Uh, yeah. He had Indiana Jones. He had Back to the Future. He had Mad Max. And I think he had The Matrix. Um, and I remember when I read that book, I was like obsessed with the book. And I was like, I wonder what my holy trilogies would be. And I started making my list of my holy trilogies. Mm-hmm. And after Civil War, I was like, you know what? the captain america trilogy is 1000 percent a holy trilogy for me because it is it just keeps getting better it's it's flawless it's a flawless trilogy yeah uh this and avengers i would i would say are are in my holy trilogies um oh for sure avengers for now still and and god willing touch wood i think guardians will become one as well you know, I, I agree with you. I think James Gunn is a is an amazing comic book store, comic book director. I have to, you know, the way you talk about Ready Player One, I do have to see it or read it. I have to do one or the other, uh, or both. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Captain America, and and you guys have to understand. Like I've, I've said it before on this podcast, and I'll say it again. If you were to go back in time when X Men came out, mm-hmm. and and you would go up to our younger selves, and you said, "Oh, you thought X Men was good." Wait till I tell you that there's going to be a Captain America movie and it's going to beat X-Men. I would have laughed at you. I would have told you you were stupid. <laughs> like, and, then, and then wait till part two of Captain America, which would be even better until it's topped by part three. Like we would have laughed at that guy and been like, go away, future Ryan. Yeah, honestly, I would have I would have kicked myself in the nads. Like I would have been like, you don't know what you're talking about. Like it's it, Captain America was not a popular character. Like he was a douchey sentinel of liberty that no one just really like people like enjoyed having him, but never really like really loved him like they did Spider-Man and the X-Men and yeah. Fantastic Four. And let me tell you, I don't know what happened. I don't know what happened. Somewhere in the late 90s, like the late, late 90s in early 2000s something happened to cap and everybody just started loving him i'm i'm one of those people i don't know how it happened i feel like at the start of the century every comic book character kind of went through like all the ones who weren't already beloved they all kind of went through this little renaissance where they just had the right people behind them like with cap it was ed brubaker yep set in motion the whole civil war thing uh and then like i don't think he wrote civil war but he kind of helped lay those plans and then the whole death of captain america um my favorite example is uh, the green lantern comics which were you know touch and go for 60 years until jeff johns got his hands on them in like 2005 yeah rebirth and then it became my favorite comic that i had ever read i had so much fun with it uh so i think everybody who was like second rate kind of had that little renaissance moment where they're like this just this character just needed the right pen to guide it Oh yeah, it's so well said, and and it's so true. But again, I I I just I I guess that's what it is exactly what it is. It's just like the the pages met the right pen, and then that character just had the, probably the best ride of their life. I mean, Jim Lee even did some amazing drawings of uh, of of Cap, and and there were some pretty good stories in there as well. Um, but yeah, I don't know I don't know how it went down, but it's something happened, and then next thing you know, Cap's a really cool character in everything but the movies. 
Um, I mean, I remember in Marvel Ultimate Alliance when that first came out, the first cutscene you see is him, Wolverine, and Thor. Or sorry, yeah, him, Wolverine, Thor, and Spider Man, and Cap's literally just dishing out orders, looking like a boss. Oh, he, he was, was like fun characters to use in that game. Exactly, and he's like, and he's like Thor. He's like, you know, take him out like in the sky, and you know, Spider Man, draw him towards the stern, and he points at Wolverine. Wolverine's like, store it, Boy Scout, and 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 Cap's just dealing dishing orders and dishing out the shield damage. It, it's so good. It's it, Cap just got like the right facelift at the right time, and the movies, and I don't know how it happened, but the movies, all his movies are flawless. Like they're just so good. And they're all groundbreaking in each one. Like the first one, you know, Iron Man one was good. Iron Man two was, you know, like good for some people, other people, not so much. Uh, Thor first one was a bit rocky at start cap solid entry in the franchise. Like it's best villain. And what blows my mind, the reason why I give it a gauntlet for the third one too is not only is the villain amazing, the villain doesn't even play a big role in the movie. And on top of that, he doesn't even throw a punch. He yeah. does not throw one punch and he sets the whole world on its on its head. He gives Dark Knight Joker a run for his money. Exactly. I said it. I said it. Come at me. Come at me. Tell me I'm wrong. He just uh yeah, this movie's just masterfully done. It it has a lot of balls in the air, but it never drops a single one. Yeah. Um, and there's no way I could have given this less than a gauntlet. I, I love it. Do you uh, do you have any holy trilogies that you know of off the top of your head that are <sighs> like they just there's not a bad one in the bunch? Um, I got to agree. Star Wars, uh, mm-hmm. Indiana Jones, the the first three for sure. Yeah, um, definitely. Uh, I, I would like to say the Matrix, but really, I, I love the first one and I like the second one and the third one's kind of. Yeah, same. They're they're not consistently like across the board great to me um i have one that's kind of unconventional but i think you'll agree okay Toy story mm, yeah yeah that's that's a holy trilogy for me 100 percent uh actually you know what i will say and it's it's a bit underrated it's a bit underrated but uh a trilogy a holy trilogy to me um is uh is the star trek next generation movies interesting wow i would and i will tell you i i will tell you why man i will tell you why because first contact is amazing that Mm -hmm. is an an incredible film if you have not seen it i recommend you watch it oh i have yeah um star trek generations is has some weird acting yes but they have some major actors in it um And uh, and not only that, there's an incredible story buried in that movie with with the weird performances. Um, and uh, I will say, insur- uh, was it insurrection or yeah, was it- insurrection? Insurrection, yeah, insurrection. Um, insurrection was underrated and and had and had incredible sacrifice. Uh, That's the board one, right? Uh, two of them have Borg ones. Uh, but yes, tech. Well, it's technically Romulan if you want to get technical. But um, okay. that's the one that comes off the top of my head. You did kind of catch me a little off guard. I haven't really thought about trilogies in a while. Yeah. Um. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to really think on that. But uh, those are the ones that come to mind really quickly. 
I, I think the for me the the Dark Knight trilogy is another one where yeah that's it, yeah it kept getting better for me like I loved part one and then it just never stopped getting better. You know what? I'll agree with you on that. Yeah, definitely the Batman the Nolan trilogy is uh, is an absolutely flawless flawless trilogy. It's so incredibly well done. Um, Superman actually uh, the first two and I'm talking about the Richard Donner cut by the way. Um, I still haven't seen that cut. I'm dying to see that cut. It's I oh man, next time I see you, buddy, I'll, I'll let you have it. Oh, um, I don't know. That's a really good conversation opener. But that mm. being said, um, yeah, I do. I do have them off, but those are off the top of my head. I would definitely say the Nolan trilogy, uh, Star Trek: Next Generation trilogy, Star Wars, obviously, Indiana Jones, obviously, um, Lord of the Rings and Hobbit. No, but see, I. Lord of the Rings, I love specific things about it, but again, it's not something, not a trilogy that stands to mind. Wow, interesting. I know, I'll, I know. We'll we'll ruminate on this, and then you can give me more next next episode. Yeah, I'm, I'll have to prepare I, that question. If you put some thought into it, I know because I know how eclectic your tastes are. That you'll come up with some really cool ones that I'll I wouldn't even have thought of. Oh, like just... the next generation is a really interesting choice, and now I'm curious to revisit those again. Oh, hell yeah, my friend. Hell yeah. Um, it's honestly, and it's what re- really compels me with that is, is, is the, the genius of the stories. I mean, I can't, it is a campy, campy story. It is campy performances, but it's because of Patrick Stewart and what he brings. He brings such a refinement to those characters that even though it's campy overall, there is some genius to that story. And there is like some really cool, really deep stuff in there so i would definitely say that um yeah no it's really gonna get me i'll, I'll really think about it and I'll, I'll i'll remember to answer that question uh next time beautiful uh, um all right so my friend we as always we create these epically masterpieces of podcasting um if you guys have made it to this point of the recording you guys are fans. That's yeah. that's that's fanatic level right there, and I love you guys for it. Um, pretty much almost matched the runtime of Civil War, which is not a short movie. Yeah, <laughs> it's worth it. We needed to. You can't you can't skim this one. You know you can't yeah. point Civil War because it is a masterfully done movie, well deserving of the two gauntlets it just received. Yeah, exactly. So there you go. Two gauntlets with thumbs way up and snapping fingers. Uh, it's it's so good. Uh, all right, guys. So that is it from us. Uh, thank you guys so much. Uh, so uh, Fantasia, my friend, where can they find you? You can find me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Andrew Fantasia. And when I say Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, I usually just mean Facebook, Instagram. I'm on Twitter very rarely because I don't like it. Oh, there you go. That's it. Oh, yeah. And buy my book, Side Scroller. It's available on Amazon in ebook. Oh, yeah. And it's good, I promise. This guy, honestly, guys, buy his book. And I'm not saying that because I, I, love, him as a, I love him as a best friend and a brother. I will say that as this man is talented and he's, 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 uh, he's on his journey. And definitely you want to buy that book so you can be a part of those stepping stones along the way. Oh, thank you. Yep, you are America's ass. I love you. <laughs> uh, thank you. Thank you. I, I climbed a lot of stairs. Uh, so <laughs> thank you. Uh, yeah, I am. That is America's ass. All right. So there you go. Uh, you can find me over on Twitter at Crusader Online. And you can find me on Instagram. But that's more just me being fun on my Instagram. Um, if you want to see good cooking videos, you should watch my Instagram. Yes, they are so much fun. <laughs> 
<laughs> and uh, also you can find me on twitch.tv forward slash Xbox Canada and also EZ Encore. That's yeah. it for us guys here at Infinity Rewatch. Stay tuned for the next episode because I think things are going to get a little strange. What he means is we're actually going to watch the movie uh, The Beach with Leonardo DiCaprio, which is a very odd movie. Yeah. <laughs> and then there's time we'll watch Doctor Strange, I guess. I guess. That's how it's, I'm very excited for that one. I'm a big fan of Doctor Strange, too. So. And I, I've only seen it once, so I'm really excited to go back and watch Caecilius get his ass kicked. Oh. Yeah. There we uh, go. That's Infinity Rewatch. That's Civil War. Thank you, everybody, for sticking with us for two hours and 23 minutes. God bless you. Uh, Until next time, have a marvelous day.